Welcome to Game Face, episode 262 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. This is the flagship show of Sifted. Uh, we're here every Tuesday at twitch.tv slash siftedgames at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Matt, both of us were supposed to be back from vacation, but as it turns mm-hmm. out, you are the only one who ended up being able to take one. Um, mm-hmm. I did not take any time off. It was just way too expensive. Um, oh. f- flights were like 1100 bucks. Rental cars were $800 for a week. And I just couldn't do it. Um, I'm going back. I would have gone back again in late August for Labor Day. And I was like, that's just too much to spend when I'm going to be back there in like six weeks. So mm-hmm. the quest goes on for me to take some time off. Coming off of E3, it would have been nice. But it is what it is. Um, how was your vacation? It was pretty good. Saw some people. Saw the family. You were up north in yeah, San, Francisco, San Francisco, right? Uh, luckily, you don't have to fly for that. Yeah. Did so. you drove up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, set a new record coming back. How quick? Oh, I'm not going to tell you that. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's admitting to things. You could tell us. Eh. No I'll one, tell, hears, I'll tell no you one here is going to tell. I'll tell you off camera. Okay. <laughs> wow, you must have been flying <laughs> if you're not willing to talk about it. On the 4th of July, no one, there's no trucks, uh, no nothing. It was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a good good drive. Daytime or nighttime? Daytime. Daytime. Early, wow. like morning, morning and wow. early afternoon. Awesome. Uh, so anyway, I didn't take a vacation, so I'm still here. Um, and Matt is back, so we're going to keep trucking with Game Face for the foreseeable future. Shouldn't have any breaks for a while. Well, actually, maybe that's not true. We do have a couple things going on behind the scenes here. Um, we are looking at moving locations. This might be one of the last episodes of Game Face with the shower door. Mm. <laughs> We've been looking at places for the last, like, 10 days, something like that, looking at, a, at a, an office or two every day. Um, so we may be switching spots here at the end of July. There may be a slight little, I don't know. We'll see how the transition goes. Uh, but there might, it might be a case where we're setting up the, the new studio and may have to skip a week. We'll see. I'll do everything I can to make sure that we keep episodes coming to you guys. Uh, but just something to keep in mind. Um, Matt, you won't miss this location. No. It's been a horrible no. commute for you from the beginning, pretty much. Yeah. Just, uh, just this side of annoying, I would say. Just yeah. You know, you expect to take a certain amount of time to get anywhere in L.A., Yep. but this is just, there's no clean way to get east and west in L.A., especially from out here, like in West L.A. And the timing for you when the show ends at right. like 4, 4.30, that's when rush hour starts here, and everybody starts leaving the beach part of L.A. Mm-hmm. and driving east yeah. to get to wherever they live, and that's the direction that you're headed when you leave yeah. here. So. And there's no, like... like the problem is like you know the the ten is terrible, yep. and then even getting on it is terrible, and then there's like three roads that actually cross the four hundred five. So yep. through, there's just so many bottlenecks getting back. You just kind of got to sit there and take it, and it takes like you know it takes me maybe twenty minutes to get here. Uh, it takes you. An it hour takes me an hour and uh, sometimes an hour and a half to get wow. back. Wow. Yeah, I remember it would take me almost an hour to get to your house when we were doing the show at your yeah. house sometimes, and that was at like noon. Yeah. 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 Traffic in L.A. is real. I know people talk about it all the time, but it is a serious mm-hmm. element of living here. Oh, yeah. It affects it, your life. That, yeah. that all, was, it that, was it Mad TV or, or SNL skit about where all the California people are just talking about like which the freeways 10, they're the taking? Like, it's all, <laughs> and all they're talking about is the direction, the freeways they took to get to the party. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, that is completely <laughs> true. That is 100% accurate. Yeah, but uh, we do it all for you guys. We, uh, we make the sacrifice, and Matt certainly does, and we appreciate him for that. 
I hope you guys have had a good week. We're kind of well past E3 at this point, mm-hmm. which means it's an interesting time for Nintendo to drop a huge announcement, which is exactly what it did this morning. Although when you see what the announcement is, you kind of understand why they maybe didn't want to talk about it during the hype week. Yeah, um, and we'll get to that. Um, yeah, interesting timing for that, for sure, mm-hmm. when it basically had... At least eat. it was this morning, now tomorrow, or like during this show or something. Yeah. Like like yep. it's, it's, it's one of those things that it feels like it happens like just late enough for us to not get to it. Yeah, but we got to this one. This yeah. actually dropped perfectly just in time for me to get it into the show, get the B-roll ready, get everything set up. Um, what else we got going on? Oh, um, people may be wondering, like, what's up with Pactor Factor? We've actually got a bunch of messages about it on our YouTube channel. Not a surprise. Um, Pactor was on vacation. He just got back. We shot new episodes on Friday. And... <laughs> I'm not going to go into details, but basically all the episodes were, like, bad. (laughs) Like, the video recording Mm. was bad. (laughs) Okay, it wasn't just like Pactor was like, I don't know. No, (laughs) it was a a technical problem that messed up the video Mm, version of the recordings. And it's really hard to get Pactor to record Pactor Factor anymore. Um, He's really busy. Um, and so finding time to work with him and get him to sit down and do, cause it takes three or four hours to record all the episodes, uh, getting him to find or him finding time rather to sit down and do that has become a big struggle over the last year or so. And, you know, a lot of times he'll say, okay, Tuesday. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that is the one day that I could not shoot Pactor Factor. And so it's been this thing where we've been juggling each other's schedules, trying to get stuff to work. It hasn't worked out. It did work out on Friday. Now the recordings are all messed up. And so we're trying to figure out, I've actually figured out how to fix everything, but now I need to schedule more time with Pactor to do what we're going to do to the episodes to get them out to you guys. So um, it's just been a struggle. I do apologize for there being such a gap with Pactor Factor, but there's literally nothing I can do. It's up to him. Like, it's when he has the time to do it is when we do it, and he has just been busy AF for the last, like, honestly, like six months, it seems like. He's just been completely under the under the water. So new episodes are coming soon. By the end of the week, I would guess, probably Friday, I'm guessing the first episode of the new batches will go up. They're going to be good. You guys asked really good questions this time. Uh, there's like five or six questions about E3, and then the rest aren't about E3, but all of them are really good. So really excited to get those episodes out to you guys, and like I said, it should be coming real, real soon. Um, and with that, I think it's time to get on with the show. Uh, we've been following a new trend here on Game Face recently, where we have not been burying the big story. And this morning, there was a huge announcement from Nintendo. Oh, don't we need to... Oh, in fact, you're right, Matt. We do. <laughs> this is... we, we need to go to Montana real quick. We do. We do need to go to Montana. This is the danger of running a TriCaster and hosting a show mm-hmm. at the same time. But Matt is absolutely right. It's time for a word from our sponsor. It's time to find out why everyone is buying homes in Montana. The Shazer Ryan Realty has a totally remodeled four-bedroom, three-bath home for sale in Libby, Montana. Nestled next to the mountains on Libby Creek, this split-level home features almost 3,300 square feet of living space and includes a fully finished basement, a two-car garage, a barn, a shop, and much more. There's a covered back porch just off the kitchen, so you can enjoy your morning coffee the way nature intended. At $479.9, it's an absolute steal. They're selling homes as fast as they can list them. So if you're interested, do not hesitate to call Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643. 
Even if you don't live in Montana, you can contact the professionals at DeShazer Ryan Realty and they can help you with property in your area. For more, head to DeShazerRyanRealty.com. That's DeShazerRyanRealty.com. Big thanks to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring Game Face and our E3 coverage over the last month. If you want to help a brother out, make sure you check them out. They can get you property anywhere in the U.S. It doesn't just have to be in Montana, although it sure would be nice to have a little getaway in Montana if I could afford one. I would be headed there right now. Uh, before we get going, I want to thank some people who have subscribed with Twitch Prime. It's very, very important to us. If you can take a minute to do it, whether you're somebody on YouTube or whether you're a patron or whether you're on Sifted or whatever, it makes a big difference for us, and we, we really need it. So I want to thank these people. Wampler13, thank you. Um, Commander Fett, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, let's see. Darmus, thank you for Twitch Prime. Mike's Q, thank you for Twitch Prime. For those of you who don't know, Mike's Q does a lot of voice work for us. He does... Uh, Game Pass or Fail, he's the voice for that. Uh, Karma Lounge, thank you for Twitch Prime. I really appreciate it. The McWomble, good, what's up, man? Good to see you can make it for the live show. Uh, Bunko, thank you for Twitch Prime. So many. We're already on level two of the hype train, and the show just kicked off. Uh, so thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Again, really important to us. So if you can, please make sure that you take that second to resubscribe when it turns over, and you have to do it every month. It sucks, I know, but it literally takes a second once you have your accounts connected. All right, now, Matt, let's talk about the big story from this morning. We all expected, well, most people expected at E3 that we'll get an announcement of a new updated version of the Nintendo Switch. It's been called the Nintendo Switch Pro. Matt called it the Super Nintendo Switch. As it turns out, Matt, it's just called the Switch OLED model. <laughs> what? Um, nothing super about it, really. No, nothing super about it. Matt, why do you suspect that they went with such a basic name? Because it's that's the only thing that's different about it. <laughs> yeah. Now, you will recall that back when these things were starting to be talked about a couple few months ago, I said this thing was going to be a slightly better screen and maybe better battery life. And Which then, they didn't say anything about, the right, battery no life. No battery life. Although I think the OLED screen might result in slightly better battery life, just... It doesn't by pull being as much a, juice. Yeah, it's a, it's a more efficient tech, but um, and then like there was you know people were like oh no the other rumors say it's like it's like DLSS and 4K. I'm just like all right, I'm not going to argue with the rumors and stuff. But like this is exactly what I expected Nintendo to do in the first place. Um, so I'm not super shocked by this. Uh, also saving me some money because I'm not buying this crap. Like it does no good for me. It's it's, it's a it's a slightly better screen for a, ver a, a mode that I don't use, yeah. and a LAN port, which I you know the I already have the dongle for that from the Wii U. You so. forgot the kickstand's wider now, Matt. Oh, wow, that's a good thing. <laughs> How could I? The first Nintendo console to have a LAN port built into it. I would add. Mm. Before mm -hmm. this, you've always had to buy Some adapters kind of going yeah. all the way back to the GameCube. Yep. You had to buy an adapter for that. And ever since, you've had to use this weird USB Ethernet dongle. Yeah, pass, basically pass the one for the Wii forward right. for yeah. a couple generations Yeah, now. the one yeah. that people bought for the Wii, people have still been using in their Nintendo console mm -hmm. since I'm still using it. But, Matt, I completely agree with you. What is the – there's nothing in this that makes me want to buy it. Would I like to have an OLED screen that's, like, a fraction bigger than the one I have now? Sure. Do I ever play, the, play it in handheld mode? Hardly ever. Like, literally hardly ever, especially over the last couple of years with COVID when travel has been cut down so significantly. Mm -hmm. I just, 
I have no use for the handheld mode. So I'm right there with you. This has little to no value for me. The big que- the question to me, that's a bigger question, is have they fixed the Joy-Cons? That's a good question. They, they don't answer that. That's in, what matters the most to me. Do, can I stop getting my Joy-Cons replaced? Because this work, the Joy-Cons from the old Switch work on this one, which leads me to believe they probably haven't done anything to the Joy-Cons. Probably not. It's pro- they're probably the same exact thing. Nintendo maybe has just decided, you know what? We're just going to write it off. We'll keep paying um, as people complain and want them replaced. We'll just keep paying for it. Because I don't know if they know how to fix it at this point. I don't believe that it does know how to fix it at this point. Mm. Um, the big news here, really, is no upgrade to the hardware at mm-hmm. all. There's 64 gigs of storage space on it now. Whoopee. I already have an SD card plugged into my Switch that's like six times that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's using the same NVIDIA Tegra chip that is used in this, the existing Switch, which yep. is a CPU and a GPU built into one chip. It's not going to be 4K. It's still going to be 1080p. There's going to be no improved performance for this at all. Nope. None. Matt, why do you think they waited two weeks after E3 to announce this? Do you think? Because, look, Bloomberg ended up being right at first because at first Bloomberg reported this stuff. <laughs> this part. Finally, I'm home from school or work or whatever, and I can play my Switch in my hallway. In the hallway, like, in doing? my foyer. Like, what? Yeah. Just couldn't wait. <laughs> yeah. Just couldn't wait. He's to... like, he sat down to take his shoes off, and he's yeah, like, he's, "Screw it! No, I got to play my new Switch." I can't <laughs> wait for you any longer, baby. We got to play some Pokemon. So, look, what Bloomberg had it mostly right at first, and then it followed up with reporting on the 4K stuff. Mm-hmm. And do you think that Nintendo had planned to show this at E3 and decided against it because the Bloomberg stuff had broken and people's expectations were? beyond what the platform actually was? Or do you think this was just all planned out? I feel like the fact that this popped up at the beginning of Q3 is probably more relevant than whatever Bloomberg said, because Nintendo doesn't really care. Um, I do do think it's significant, maybe. Like, the one bit of, like, credence I would give that theory that they decided not to do it at E3 because of the... is that the white one really looks like it's supposed to match Metroid Dread. Yeah. Because um, it looks like the same, kind of almost the same color scheme as the robot that she's running away from. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like, I don't know. Like I, I, like I, I, th- I thought of that too. But it's just like it's not in Nintendo's character to react to stuff like that. It's just they do what they do, and they don't care, and they know it's going to sell, and they don't. Who gives a shit? What it Bloomberg is strange. Says. It's just two weeks after E3. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, the, they the def- only, obviously could have shown it at the show. Probably. The, the only thing I can think is that is a, a Q, a quarter thing, or they didn't want to do a pre-order thing right now at the time of E3. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense because no. it, it's it, – you're right. It is kind of tied and maybe they know, Dread. And maybe they do know that, like, who cares? Like, you know, like, maybe they know that it wasn't a very exciting thing to put in their direct, you know? Like, it didn't really – you know, the direct was sort of like game after game after game after game, and this this sort of you know they're usually hardware. This is their usual hardware trailer, really. You know, that's what mm-hmm. they do all the time. It didn't wouldn't really fit the tone of that sort of. That's the only thing, yeah. other thing I can think of. So it's, let's say either yeah, it's it's they decided not to not to be the laughing stock of E3 by having this turn out to be the thing everybody was talking about, um, and maybe that that was a last minute decision. And that's why two days before the direct is when we started getting you know chatter about how it wasn't going to be shown at all. Yeah, um, that would all kind of match up, or it was just this is when they were always going to do it, and they don't care what the hell we think. You know, it could, it could go either way with Nintendo. Because uh, the other thing about Nintendo is like 
they got to know that this is not what anybody wanted, right? Yeah. Like, this is well, they figured that out. It definitely, it's, particularly after Bloomberg reported that stuff. If you're like Yahoo, they weren't talking about the stuff that's actually mm. in here. Everyone was talking about 4K and DLSS yeah. and all this tech stuff that wasn't actually going to be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I lean towards like because it is tied to Metroid Dread. It releases yeah. on the, the same, same day, day. as yeah. Metroid Dread, um, which is what October eighth, I believe. Yeah. Um, it long. Here's the other thing, Matt. Three hundred and fifty dollars. They're jacking up the price by fifty bucks for this thing. Back to back to the launch price. Yeah. Well, no, is the original the, Switch was three hundred. Only three hundred. Yeah. So you're paying more than launch yes. price for what? For something that's for now way cheaper to inches? make. Yeah. 0.8 inches ain't worth that, folks, yeah. in any situation. And I, look, I'm sure that they, you know, probably perception-wise, they think that this stuff that they... Because that's Nintendo. Nintendo is often very delusional. It adds value to things that a lot of other people don't put a lot of value on. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure Nintendo thinks it's worth the 350 but the truth is this unit is probably cheaper to manufacture than the original Switch. Yeah. It uses the same thing. This $150 cheaper than a, than a PS5. I know. I know. Fifty bucks cheaper than a Series S. Yep, that's ridiculous. Yep. What do you think about this the thing, colors? This is half decade old technology that was already three years old, old when they put it together. I know. Like it's, it's absurd. But, but they know people are going to pay. Of course it. they know. Of course, but it's just yeah. You know, these people like, oh, it's your fault for believing the rumor. I don't. I don't. I didn't think the rumors were all that credible to begin with. But yeah. the fact that like they're still expecting us to deal with this like ancient tech for the fourth generation in a row is ridiculous. The expectations have nothing to do with it, no. Matt. It, and then on top of that, if the it's rumors... Just we're looking at the hardware for what right. it is. We're looking at what we get and what it what is is inadequate. To pay. Yes, absolutely. That's all there is to it. Yeah. That's why everybody was so hyped for a, a, a power update was because it fucking needs it. Yeah. What about the colors? It's coming in like white and black and then black with like the blue and red yeah, Joy-Con. Like, but the unit itself is black. Right. It's black. But, yeah, in the screen both. is black no matter what. Yeah, yeah no matter it's, what. It's all the Joy-Con and, and dock. Yeah. yeah. And the dock, wh- which one would you buy? I mean, the answer is neither. Yeah. But like, I don't know. If I didn't have one at all, I guess I'd buy the dark the dark one. I would too. Um, if I was going to buy one, if I was forced to buy one in addition to the one I already have, which is black, I would probably get the white one for variety. Um, I would be more likely to get the white one if it had actually actual Metroid branding on it. It's interesting that that doesn't have that, because um, I did buy. I didn't even need it, but I bought that the the new 3ds that was had the Metroid uh, branding on. It was you know the black and yeah. red one with her on the thing. Do you know how much that worth? That's worth now. How much? Like seven hundred dollars. What? Like it goes for like seven eight hundred dollars on eBay. What now. already? Yeah. Because wow. well, they only made it for a short time. That's crazy. When's the next time we're going to see a Metroid system? Apparently never. Yeah. <laughs> this is as close as it gets. I think it's more of a vague reference. Yeah. So. Do you think people will spend the extra fifty bucks for this? Do you think they'll keep buying the old one? I don't know. Like it's. I mean, this is. It's definitely. It is a better screen. Like, yeah. is it? Is it fifty dollars better? I don't know. I don't know. Like sixty-four. Like gigs, I can't. Is I that can't. Worth the 50 I can't bucks? get in the headspace of someone who would want this. Yeah. Frankly. But like, you're what you're a person who already owns one. Right. But who 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 is fanatical enough about Nintendo hardware to buy a non-upgraded, slightly larger, better screen version of the Switch who doesn't already own a Switch? Yeah. Who's been waiting five years for 0.8 more on an OLED screen? Like, like I don't know who that... I mean, that, that who it's for is eventually they're going to replace the main SKU with it. Like, yeah. this is the new Switch. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they stopped production of the sure. old model yeah, already. It's going to be this yeah. and the light, and that'll be that. But this is just another version. This is just another light. In the other direction, frankly. Could, could, by the way, could you imagine if PlayStation or Microsoft showed a piece of hardware for the first time 
and actually took the time to render CG of an Ethernet cable being plugged <laughs> into an Ethernet port. I mean, maybe in the PS2 era <laughs> when that was a thing. People, when that was a thing, people had only done in a Dreamcast. But think about it. Nintendo has the Genesis had that. Nintendo has created this bar that's so low for its fans that it feels like showing an animation of an Ethernet port right. being plugged in is a thing. It's like, look how cool that is. It's like, is it? I mean, that should be like a psh, psh, yeah. like wake up, Nintendroid. Like, you're living in fantasy land if you're celebrating something that other platforms have had forever. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And then the other question becomes, so what happens with the Switch Pro or the is, – does, does it exist? Do we see, when do we see it? I don't know. I mean, after it, I would assume it some, exists in some form. Somebody saw some document of some kind, maybe mushed it together with this thing or something. Like, but I'll tell you, if if the if the successor to the Switch is the stuff they were talking about for that, that's dire. Like, if that's what they expect to push on us as a next gen Switch yeah, option. So Bloomberg caught wind oh of actually ended up catching wind of the Switch successor. Yeah. Which is possible. It yeah, could have got been. it could have got the correct information on this. And yeah, and, all, and like you don't know what stuff is being filed for patents or whatever right. at any given time. You know, it could be anything. It could be nothing. It could be something they were experimenting with and wanted a patent, and they'll ne we'll never see it. Like yeah. it, it could be anything. That's true. That happens all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, any guesses on when you think the successor is going to come? Now, I don't know. Are you going to do this? I feel like it's two years out. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, still two years away. At least. At least. Yeah. yeah. Why would you release this and only give it a year of life? Right. Right. <laughs> Like, that makes no sense whatsoever. Especially that price. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's bewildering to me, Matt, what Nintendo is doing with this. Um, I mean, obviously, it's all about money. Sure. They feel like they can charge more. My guess is it costs less to manufacture than the original Switch. At most, it costs the same. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And they're charging extra. At most, they char it costs the same to manufacture this as it did the, the original Switch in 2017, I would think. Why is Nintendo so reluctant to put adequate storage in its platforms? Why? Um, you mean like the, the 64, yeah, 64 gigs? 64 gigs. What was the Wii U? 32 gigs? For if I you, so, if you yeah. paid extra for the, the expensive for the, model? The, the better one, yeah. Yeah. I think it was 32 gigs. 32, or th yeah. Some, 30, like, was it 16 and 32? God. I believe so. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. it. It it just... Time and again, it shocks me how Nintendo can stare into the face of convention and reject it. How many times? And look, it does work for it a lot of the times. If it was conventional, it wouldn't have made the Switch. It would have just made right. a really powerful console or whatever. And chances are it probably wouldn't have done as well as Switch. So a lot of the time it works out for Nintendo when it does this. Other times it does not. And 64 gigs of storage. I mean, maybe Nintendo at this point is like, well, we already forced everybody to go buy SD cards. Nobody needs storage on our platform anymore. Uh, Andy T. Monaghan notes, yes, the, the white version of the Wii U was 8 gigabytes. It was 8. eight. And then the black was 32? Black was maybe not even, maybe 16? No, I, I think it was, it was 32. 32. Uh, black one's the one I have. I don't remember. How, I do have an external hard drive on it, though, because yeah. it was not enough space. Yeah. yeah. Like you th It already came with Splatoon and, and Smash Brothers on it, and that was basically the whole thing yeah. right there. Yep. Yeah, that takes up pretty well. I will say this. Somehow Nintendo has managed to keep the sizes of its games way down. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of it has to do with... they got to fit it on those cards. Right. But a lot of it has to do with low-res textures. Yeah. I mean, they're, none of them are 4K. That's mm -hmm. what takes up a lot of space. Very few cinematics in their games that also mm -hmm. take up a lot of space. Um, I was amused that the uh, the update um, for Doom, the, the yeah. Doom Eternal update... 
66.6 gigabytes. On Switch? On on my three, uh, on my Xbox. But I'm like, did you do that on purpose? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of everything that is being, like, upgraded oh, yeah. and new, like, f- expanded frame rate Greedfall got, an, got a next-gen update, of all things. Everything's getting The Sinking City got an, got an updated <laughs> version, and they want full price for that motherfucker. That's not even an update to your old the version you already had from last year. They want another 60 bucks out of you. It's getting murky. And, in fact, we're talking in, in a little bit about another game that is getting an upgrade along with some other stuff, and mm. we'll kind of dive into that a little bit deeper. Um it is interesting, though. So, if look, I am an owner of a Switch, and if I were to choose between one of those models, I would also go with the black one because I already have gray Joy-Cons, so I could take those Joy-Cons off my old one mm-hmm. and put it onto the new one and basically have the unit that I want. And I'm wondering if that's why Nintendo kind of did that one option with the blue and the red because also if I already have the dark gray original Switch, now I'll have the blue and the red, so I'll have different color Joy-Cons, which will help if you actually use it for multiplayer. I have another question for you, Matt. Do you think people use the Switch in kickstand mode? Uh, I don't know. That's Nintendo seems to be making such a big deal about it. But, like, I I used it once on a plane, mm-hmm. and it was awkward because the screen was, like, right here. So I'm sitting here, like, trying to play it like this. Do you think other people use it with just the screen sitting there with a the kickstand? I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I can't imagine the battery would last longer than like an hour and a half. No, that's, yeah, it's like a two-hour thing if you're lucky. Um, I don't know. Like, I I guess on a plane, maybe? I don't but, see my nieces and nephews using it that way either. I've never seen anyone use it that yeah, way. Yeah, but it, I mean... Like I mean, a third of this video in, in, is for yeah, the Yeah, in, in Nintendo world, everybody just sits on their couch and plays it on their coffee table, apparently. It's like, do you not own a fucking television? Like, what? Well, of course they're not showing that because that's not the point. The point is the new screen. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know what world I would sit in my living room and want to play it on that and not on my actual television. Like, I guess if I don't control my television or someone else is watching something else, but all these people seem to be alone. Yeah. So, uh, like, why would you take your shoes off in the hallway, go in the fucking living room and slap that thing in the dock, dude? Like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, what... <laughs> You want to sit in your foyer. Like, okay, you're out in, out in the pool. That's fine. But, like, this dude, like, what? <laughs> he comes home from work and sits in his foyer. He can't wait to toss like, that poke yeah. ball. Like, you want to see his mom come down the stairs and just, like, shake her head sadly. Like, just, like, he never <laughs> leaves that foyer. Have you been online kind of looking at the response to this? Yeah. What has the response been from the Nintendo fans? Oh, the Nintendo, like, well, I mean, there's a mix of people to be like, what the fuck, you know, because, like, uh-huh. they, were, they were very in belief of the pro. But there's a lot of people that are just like, uh, Nintendo can do no wrong, and if you th- believe the rumors, you're the one who's wrong and not Nintendo, and this is exactly what they should be making, and I'm totally going to buy it. And it's just like, all right, dude, like, fool him his money, I guess. I mean, I think a lot of people will buy it. Well, eventually, sure, I, I think it's going to sell just fine. Like, yeah. But, but not to me. Not to so, me either. I mean, I'm kind of happy about it because it like, saves me 350 bucks in October. Yeah. Like, yeah, because I was definitely going to buy a Pro. Yeah, yeah. If there was a power boost, I would definitely be in. Yeah, for sure. but this, I but just... This is... No, this is... I just can't see the reason. I already have the Ethernet dongle, so that's no advantage there. I don't play in handheld mode, so the screen upgrade would be nice, but it's not something I need. Does yeah, the dock light up now, Yeah, the yeah, the, yeah, the dock lights <laughs> up. It's like... I just now that's where, that's where your 50 bucks there, is going. There's where it goes. They put a little LED behind the yeah. logo. <laughs> it lights up whenever you play. I mean, maybe the dock doesn't scratch the screen anymore. I'm, I'm being nice. Yeah. Uh, I see a lot of people just joining the show now, and I see them in chat. They're trying to catch up, and they're like, is this really just an OLED screen? Yeah, it is. Um, it it It's an Ethernet port and an updated screen that's just a smidge bigger than the screen that you have now. Also, by the way, Matt, that OLED screen is 720p. Mm-hmm. 
it's, something that size shouldn't be more than seven. It doesn't need to be, but you would think like I don't know. To me, no, it feels like that should be upgraded. No, like the 1080p is completely pointless at that size. Like there yeah. is no reason for that. Especially, I mean, I think, especially given the resolution the games run at anyway. Like yeah. 720p is fine for that. Well, it's like I can watch 480p. You want pay another? You want to pay a hundred dollars more? Because that's a <laughs> pay a hundred dollars more. Well, it's like I can watch 480p video on my phone and it looks fine yeah. because the screen's small. Um, so I totally get that. But still, it's an OLED. How many OLEDs are there out there displaying at 720p? <laughs> I mean, here and there. I mean, like this, this thing is like resolution is more about the size of the screen and yeah. the value of that. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's like how 4K is really not super worth it if you're under 65 inches. Yeah. Like, I know. mean, they probably locked it at 720p to save battery life. Yeah, honestly. that too. Yeah. Like, a, a screen that size being that high resolution for video games that oh, don't run. You know, it's like one thing if you got a phone that's 4K where you're actually displaying 4K picture and you kind of got. You know, it's it's a little different thing. Those are also usually higher quality screens, but like, um, and you got to read small text, and so you're you're displaying stuff that needs to be much sharper than what we're gonna get in a Switch game. Yeah. So I don't think 720p is an error there at all. I think uh, I think the error is that I can't play it in 4K on my goddamn television. Yeah. Um, I got an email from Nintendo this morning about this. Um, I think we've tackled most of this stuff. I just want to make sure. Um, basically the same size, but it is a little bit larger. Um, than the original Switch. Um, the OLED actually is more than just clarity. The colors are going to pop a lot more. Yeah, it's, I mean, OLED's a great tech, vibrant. but if you already have one, I just don't, I don't see how you justify that yeah. 350 bucks. There's enhanced audio for handheld mode. Like you're really just paying play. for the privilege of watching it transfer all your shit to the new system at that point. Yeah. Because I bet it's not going to be as simple as just taking the the SD card out and putting in the new one. You know, there's going to be yeah. some weird arcane thing that they make you do. They had kind of talked about the transfer process already. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like it's going to be pretty painless. I've been pleasantly surprised by that with Nintendo in the past. Remember, like, the transfer from the Wii to the Wii U? It actually had, like, this animation where your mm-hmm. Miis were, like, I think they got on a plane and, like, yeah, there's a whole thing traveled to the Wii U. I mean, it was relatively painless. I mean, that's all real cute until it fails, yeah. and then you can't find out what the <laughs> hell happened. Yeah, and again, it launches on October 8th, the same day as Metroid Dread. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's pretty much mm-hmm. all of it. Um, the two color options, we talked about that. We talked about your old Joy-Cons work with the new one, um, and you can get the white. I don't know if they'll sell those separately now, the white Joy-Con. Know. It's possible. I think they're too busy selling the black one separate so you can match it up to the system you just bought. Yeah. Um, my question still remains what they're going to do about the problems with the Joy-Con. My, I, I'm about to send I mean, if they one. were going to fix that, I feel like they would have admitted it at this point. Yeah. Or said something about it. Although, I don't know, maybe that's a legal thing. Maybe they can't admit that there was anything wrong in the first place or they open themselves up to class action. Yeah. I also believe that they named it something stupid like this so that they can just drop the stupid part off whenever it replaces a Switch, and it'll just be called the yeah. Switch. Well, there's no reason to name it anything else, really. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't what would even... you call it? Like, Switch Ethernet port? Yeah. <laughs> Switch LAN. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm interested um, in chat. Any any of you guys are convinced to like go pick this up and buy this? And if you say you're going to buy it, let us know if you're already a Switch owner and you're getting the new one still, or if you don't own a Switch and this has finally convinced you to take the plunge. Um, I would argue that a game like Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be far more convincing to get someone to jump into Switch ecos- Switch's ecosystem versus this hardware upgrade. Although I struggle to really call it an, an upgrade. It's more of like a sideways move, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, if you look at it, when it compared, it compared to the competition, it's like a step back still mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Um, 
Smart Switch and Nope, Andy T. Monahan says. Um, ben Link says, only if my current Switch dies. I could understand that perspective. Why would you? Well, actually, though, if you if your Switch dies and you could get a used one on eBay for 200 bucks, would you mm. buy the new one for 350 Probably not. That's a tough one. I mean, I'd probably get it because it doesn't do any – I'm not going to use that screen. So right. really, like, I would probably just get – try to get a normal Switch for cheaper. Yeah. Even new, it would be cheaper. Yeah. So No matter what. Yeah, it's going to be 50 But Would you buy – how about this, though? If your Switch broke, would you buy the old Switch new or the new Switch, the OLED version new? Would yeah, you I'll spend probably, the extra 50 bucks for the new one? I'd get the old one. You would get the old one still. Because I'm never going to use any of this stuff. On, I don't even use – I wouldn't even use – You don't play online with your Switch either. No. Like the only thing I use the online for is to download. No, I can use the dongle for that if I need to. I think Wi-Fi download speeds on it are fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've never used the Wi-Fi actually. It's fine. I mean, it's not like – it's not as fast as like a wired connection obviously, but it's – you know, this, games aren't that huge. Like a, I wouldn't use a Wi-Fi connection to download like a PS5 game, but a mm-hmm. Wii game or Wii game, a Switch game, like fine. It takes like the same amount of time or less. As like a wired PS5 game game download, um, I don't do I don't need a LAN port. And I, I if I do want one, I already have the dongle. And if I and I will never look at that screen. So, but why? Why would I buy that? What do unless you think? I, unless I really love the color, and I don't. Okay. What do you think about Switch Lite? Do you think it gets the up some of the updates like the new screen eventually? Um, I don't see how. Like that thing's about as small. It thinks smaller, so I don't think mm-hmm. you could actually make that screen any bigger without significantly changing the profile of it. Uh huh. Um, and then you kind of defeated the purpose of the light. Yeah, because then it's not light anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the same weight as if you just bought the base one. Um, yeah, it seems silly though that most of these improvements were made for handheld mode. Because you have obviously the better screen, you have right. the better audio in handheld mode. I mean, their data shows that. You know, the, the majority of Switch players use it handheld, so yeah. it's catering to that Slightly audience makes, makes yeah. sense more than, I guess, you know, trying to put out a $400 Switch that does 4K. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I've never played the thing. I played the thing handheld a couple of times because uh, the lag introduced on my on my system was just this, that much too laggy to catch the rare fish in Animal Crossing. Oh, geez. So I would, I would take it out of the dock <laughs> to catch, like, the, the whale sharks and stuff. Interesting. Because otherwise, I could, I, it's by the time I pressed the button, it was over. Wow. And then I switched to handheld mode, and every time. Got wow. it every time. I've never noticed that. So well, my, you know, my my signal goes to the garage and back. Oh, so it's, it's okay. a, it's a, there's a split second more lag, I would gotcha, imagine, gotcha. than most okay. people's setups. Yeah, I'm I haven't like. had that issue with mine. Um, um, thank God. That would drive me bonkers. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't notice it on most stuff, but like, because it most stuff adjusts for it or I adjust for it, but that one just it was too fast. Interesting. Okay, um, let's take a look at chat before we move on here and see if anybody else has anything interesting to say. Um, Rosencrantz, thank you for Twitch Prime, man. That's awesome. Um, not really. I play like one Nintendo game a year, so I'm happy with the normal Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, I might also consider if there's a custom switch for Breath of the Wild 2. So he's saying like a branded Breath yeah. of the Wild 2 switch. I mean, that seems pretty 
like that's a no brainer. Yeah, yeah, that's happening for sure. Um, and after what you just said about that Metroid 3DS, it might be a, a wise financial decision as oh, well yeah. to pick up these branded consoles, even if you're not necessarily want one. It might be smart Nintendo to never cup. open it. Actually, yeah. I never opened my Metroid one. Yeah. 3DS. Like uh-huh. I, was, I did. That's why I'm like I like Metroid. I might if I need another 3DS at some point. I got a backup here. And if I don't, I got this collector's item because that's definitely what it's going to be. Yeah. It helps that they don't make a lot of Metroid stuff. You know, like Zelda is not is not as skyrockety because uh, you know they make a lot of Zelda stuff. Yeah, but you never know. Yep, it's possible. Um, anything else? No, I think that's it. Any last words on the Nintendo Switch OLED model, Matt? Nope. I think I think I'm just never going to think about it again. Yeah, I'll think about it again because someone will force me to. I'll get a mm-hmm. call or a text from like an uncle or an aunt here in the next like. Six months before Christmas, and people will be asking me that very question. Should I get the new one, or should I get the old one? Mm. And it'll depend, you know. And they do have kids, so I would probably tell them to get the new one because the handheld stuff is what's got the most of the upgrades. And those kids, they do play it handheld. They, it's crazy, too. They sling those things around like they're made, like they're a paper cup. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo seems to have done a good job on build quality with everything but the, but the Joy-Con, which is odd. Yeah, well, as long as you're not taking the Joy-Con off it. Right. Seems to work okay. Yeah, I don't know. I have problems with it attached or detached mm-hmm. with uh, analog stick drift. But that's not unique to Nintendo. That's happening all over the place. So, Although it certainly seems to happen quicker to Nintendo. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move on. It's time to talk about something else. Big story today. I'm glad that that dropped today. It definitely made the, the start of the show a lot more interesting. We're going to talk about what I'm calling the wallet wars in the gaming industry right now. Sony and Microsoft are two heavyweights in a ring with boxing gloves full of coins that they are just slugging each other with right now. Microsoft obviously make a, made a bunch of big acquisitions last year to its first-party studios lineup. Sony, I think it felt like it was being left out of the party, and it has decided now to start making some big acquisitions mm-hmm. itself. It started with Insomniac, obviously, um, which it should have bought a long time ago, if you ask me. I think a lot of, a lot of people yeah. would agree with that. Um, it was long overdue to buy that studio. But now it's starting to dip its toes into with part with studios that really haven't had anything more than a tenuous relationship with it in the past. Um, the biggest of those, or at least the one of the most recent, is Housemark. Um, if you watch Game Face, you know Matt and I have been touting Housemark for the whole time. Ever since we launched this show, it started with Rezogun, mm-hmm. and we've just talked talked them up ever since. Um, and generally, the studio has been known for smaller indie games. And then, out of nowhere, comes the awesome Returnal, and it just seems like everything changed for that studio. The perception changed for it. We were already there, but mm-hmm. it feels like most other players and consumers have realized, okay, this studio's got more than they're more than just a small indie studio. Sony obviously realized it and has purchased Housemark. Um, I think based just upon what we've said for the last five years on this show, everybody knows that we think this is a smart purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, could be one of the smartest purchases because this is a studio on the rise. Um, this isn't a studio that has a ton of big budget games in, under its belt, which means that Sony probably got it for a pretty decent price. I didn't see mm-hmm. the purchase price anywhere, did you? No, I didn't, I didn't see any numbers on any of that. Yeah, I don't know if they've even made it public. I wouldn't think so. Yeah, it seems like so far it's it's not been made public um, how much Sony paid for it, but I would guess it probably wasn't all that much. No. A couple hundred mil probably, maybe, maybe if that much. It's no Codemasters. 
no. $1.4 billion for Codemasters. But, uh, but I do think that these guys have the potential to be like another sucker punch over time. Yeah, like a, absolutely. Like a, like a solid, uh, you know, a solid, uh, you know, second string, you know, moving up to first string eventually studio. Yep. Um, the, you know, the talent's there. The, uh, the design is there. Um, the willingness to take risks is there. Like it's a, it's a, it's a good buy. Like it's, it's a, it's a really solid purchase. I mean, I, obviously they wanted to wait and see how Returnal did and what it was like when it was done before they jumped in. But like, uh, clearly, clearly they liked what they saw and uh, and went for it. So I'm glad they did. Like you know, for a while there we were worried House Mark might just go away. Yeah, we thought so. they were because remember when they made the big announcement they were moving away from arcade shooters. Mm. And we were like, oh, no, that's what you do so well. And no one else is making them as, as well as you do where that genre is just going to go away or whatever. Well, <laughs> little did we know that it was working on Returnal at the time. And it had a very good idea that it was going to be pretty successful moving outside of its comfort zone. Um, here's the thing, though. Housemark is not perfect. Mm-hmm. It has released some games that have not been well received, did not review well. Uh, there's Storm Divers, which is what we're seeing right now. Do people even remember Storm Divers? Wasn't that long ago. No. <laughs> it really wasn't all that long ago. Um, it is interesting to kind of see a little bit of Returnal's flavor in that, though. Yeah. Landing in the pod on an alien planet, running for your life, basically. Um, so there were some hints of that. But for, just look on a technical perspective at this game versus Returnal. Yeah, I mean, there's a it's lot. A, what more, a leap. Yeah. How does a studio do that? Well, I think they just make a more ambitious thing. Like the, the, you know, you know the scope of your project when you start it. Like it's, they were not trying to make something that was like Returnal with this thing. I don't even remember this game. Yeah, nobody does because it came and went like a whimper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a game that Matt and I slag pretty regularly from Housemark, Matterfall. This yeah. was where the shine kind of came off Housemark for me. Um, I was like, oh wow, is this the new direction? Is this what Housemark is going to do? But yeah, this didn't turn out too well. It did not. It it. Talks of good game, like mm-hmm. looking at a trailer, you're like, oh, that seems pretty cool. And then the game itself was awful. And it went from this to Returnal, which I'm guessing will end up being on some people's shortlist for game of the year later mm-hmm. on in the year. Um, that's a big leap, especially when you came from just basically arcade shooters before these games. But it did. you can see it did take Housemark a couple games to kind of get up to speed. Um, I feel like this could be a huge acquisition because... To me, what they do really well is the intangibles. It mm-hmm. Housemark is great at like tone, pacing, um, gameplay, how it feels to play its games. Almost all its games feel great. The technical side was always its shortcoming, but once you've hitched your wagon to some place like PlayStation where you're getting consultation with Cerny and you're getting all the libraries from the first party studios and you're learning all the tricks of the PlayStation 5 and how you can get more out of it, suddenly the technical part is just a means to an end. And so I think Housemark was a smart purchase because they could get it for really cheap. Um, it already had proven that it could do the stuff that a lot of studios just can't do, no matter how many people they hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just think it's it's a really smart pickup for PlayStation. I think it's going to pay dividends for a long time to come. I think Returnal's just the beginning. And yeah. that's what it showed with Returnal. Like, it's not... A technical masterpiece, but it looks real good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the intangible part of it, how the combat feels, the gunplay, how it feels, the tone, the setting. Uh, to me, the closest thing to a 3D Metroid since Metroid Prime 3, in mm-hmm. all honesty. Um, and I just think it was smart. I think I called it called it 
actually not that long ago. I think I said somebody asked in Q and A what Sony, what studios we thought Sony was going to pick up next. I think Housemark is what I answered with, um, and it's smart. It makes sense. They've worked with them already on Returnal. Um, they probably apparently they like that working relationship, and they were ready to uh, jump in and, and dive in. And so if that weren't enough, that's a pretty big purchase, particularly mm-hmm. for Sony, who does not purchase studios the way Microsoft does, no. and it didn't need to play catch-up. It was, it was the one that was ahead, and Microsoft was the one trying to play catch-up. Um, and then do you feel like Microsoft lapped Sony? Not yet. Yeah, I didn't feel like it either. Like, I felt like they Microsoft had basically caught up with PlayStation. And then PlayStation's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you don't. <laughs> like... We're I, mean, gonna... I mean, Insomniac is probably worth everything Microsoft's purchase put together, minus maybe Bethesda. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Like it's not Bethesda though, but yeah, yeah and everything else, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So I mean, Sony's got a real stacked deck, even without more acquisitions. So like Microsoft is still playing catch up there, and we're gonna see. We'll even see how much they caught up once we start seeing those new purchase studios you know put some stuff out we certainly uh are going to be waiting a little longer for elder scrolls 6 yeah as i have repeatedly (laughs) said for years so we are going to buy a playstation 6 by the time we get to play that game and we'll even be able to play it on a playstation 6 yeah so if you don't know and we don't have a topic on it because it's just a a small thing well maybe to us it's a small thing in in the scope of doing a show like this but it was announced this week that the Elder Scrolls Six just entered the design phase. Yeah, Todd, Todd said it would be good to think of it in early design phase, which um, you got to start listening to me on that shit. Like that, yeah, they, I mean, they were I, way. I never out. argued that it was. That they were it wasn't way a long out. ways off, but they're, they're, damn. they're still trying to get Starfield done by next November. Uh, it really seems like it? all hands on deck. Oh yeah. for Starfield. Oh, yeah, like trying to get it done before the end of next sure. year. Also, remember, like I, my original prediction for Starfield was 2023. Right, like, and so, it may still end up being 2023. Yeah, it might still be, but I was thinking like holiday 2023. <laughs> right, and like the fact that you know, like the fact that they're getting it done almost a year sooner than I thought they were, like. We'll see what Well, you were probably into. assuming that they were doing a little bit of work on Elder Scrolls. So I figured maybe they got like a, like a skeleton crew <laughs> right. over there doing concept yeah. art or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. But. Yeah, that was a huge disappointment, too. Um, and so, anyway, at the risk of Game Face sounding like an infomercial, and that's not all, because mm-hmm. PlayStation, on the same day that the Housemark purchase was announced, PlayStation on social media totally screwed up and accidentally published mm-hmm. a congratulations to Bluepoint. Saying that, welcome to the PlayStation family. Whoops. So the Kings, and they are the Kings. There's no one even close to these guys. Mm -hmm. The Kings of remasters and remakes have now been, well, will soon be brought into the PlayStation fold. Um, How did Housemark feel, too? Because it's like it's big day. It gets purchased by PlayStation. And for the record, Housemark said it was courted by a bunch of people. I think I also said that it was going to be hounded by think, people trying to acquire it. I think Housemark probably just cried themselves to sleep on a pile of money and we're, we're fine with it. <laughs> Didn't lose um, any sleep no, over I it at think all. So. Yeah. Uh, but Blue Point is also about to join the PlayStation family. They, their most recent project is the Demon Souls remake, which is excellent. Yeah, I mean, between this and this Shadow of the Colossus remake, it makes all the sense in the world for Sony to buy them. Uh, this is Especially because. Studio. Think about how much stuff from the PlayStation 3 era Sony has to bring forward right. and rescue from that cell processor yeah. limbo. What a mistake in. that was yeah. on so many levels. You got to bring in the kill zones. You got to bring in the some of the ratchets. Yeah. You know, all that ratchet future trilogy is trapped on that s- yep. system. You got to bring in the Sly Cooper collection. I mean, there's a lot of Sony classics that we don't think about, but they're stuck 
pre PlayStation Four, and they gotta move them forward. Yeah, uh, in a, in a form other than PlayStation Now. So yeah. Which also, it appears that PlayStation Now, Sony is starting to take almost a Game Pass-like approach Mm -hmm. to PlayStation Now. A lot of its first-party games are starting to appear on the service. Not day and date, mind you, which is really the big thing. But they are creeping up. Yeah. Also, you could do a lot worse than buying Bluepoint and putting half of them on a a Blood... Blood uh, born remake. Oh, a Blood born al- remake. Along the uh, lines of what Demon Souls got, and maybe the other half on, I don't know, updating the Ratchet and Clank Future Trilogy to look like the Rift Apart game. Do you think Blue Point will ever get to a place where it's allowed to make one of its own games? I have heard that they have a couple of like <laughs> original sure ideas do. in there, but yeah. like, right, I mean, they're they good at what they're good at, right? Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, Sony may want to turn them into enough of a factory they could expand out and become and have like a team that can do original content, but we'll see what they do with it. I'm wondering. I think if that we was know part... why they bought them, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, though, if that was part of negotiations. I would have made it that if, if I, I was, were working if I was at, Blue at Blue Point. Point. I'd be like, yeah. look, man, okay, we'll do, if we do three ports or remakes or remasters, we get one original game mm-hmm. or something. You got to get tired of like working on everyone else's stuff. Yeah, like, and you're not going to be able to do that forever because at a certain point you're going to run out of games that like you need to remake, right? Cuz mm-hmm. especially cuz like current stuff is going to continue to be backwards compatible and require updates maybe, but like you're not going to need to do a Demon Souls remake of like Last of Us 2, right. right? You know? Yeah. Um so like yeah, at some point I think that's going to be need to be a thing. Um and I'm sure Sony would always like to have another re- reliable original content team under their belt because yeah. uh, that is sort of their their bread and butter. Well, also with you know the reports lately that PlayStation is starting to kind of use the Ubisoft model, yeah. where it brings a bunch of teams together to work on projects to finish them. Bluepoint, you couldn't have that's your cleanup batter, right? Oh there. yeah, yeah, you couldn't have a better person in the fourth fourth slot, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I do feel a little bit bad for Bluepoint because I feel like this acquisition by Sony guarantees is probably not going to make a lot of original games like yeah, ever. But at the same time, it's like you're good at what you're good at. You know, like like you know, I'm sure they also take pride in the fact that they're the best at this. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'll say this, Matt. If and I think they did. They asked us like, what studios are right for purchase? And I think these were the two studios that mm-hmm. we said if you had the option of buying any studios. These are the two that you should buy. And I believe we both said Housemark and Bluepoint, and that's exactly what Sony purchased. Can you think of any other studio out there that would be worthy of a purchase at this point? Like, are I mean, there not that, Micro- not that Microsoft didn't already buy. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm, did, they, did Microsoft buy Double Fine? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um I don't know. We're kind of running low. Yeah, I mean, it's. it's I it's still. Point. I'm. I'm maybe uh, biased and or hopelessly optimistic, but I would still like to to give Warren Spector a shot mm. at whatever he wants to make at some point. I really doubt that's ever going to happen. Doesn't seem like it. No, he's just. He feels like it feels like he's become a little irrelevant, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, because his last couple projects have not worked out well. They yeah. the last one wasn't good. Period, what and it, it didn't sell well either. What was the last one? It was the Epic Mickey, Epic Mickey two. two. Yeah. yeah, and it was worse than the first one. Yeah. I liked the first Epic Mickey better than the second. Oh, one. I love the first Epic Mickey. Yeah, but the second one I never got more than a couple hours yeah. into. Yeah, and so yeah, I'd say the chances of his his Deus Ex gas tank has run on empty at this mm-hmm. point. Let's be honest. I mean, he was living off of the Legend of Deus Ex for a long oh, time. Oh yeah. 
Um, well, he wasn't he involved in the new System Shock thing at some point, wasn't he? I think was, he was, yeah. and I don't know if he is anymore, yeah, I don't know. unfortunately. Well, actually, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see him work on it because that's kind of one of his babies. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if he is still working on that or not. I know he was at first, but in the, the actual – actually, the System Shock – remake is almost done finally yeah, i saw that that's coming out here in like the next couple months i believe finally that i didn't yeah. know if we'd ever see that either there's a lot of big yeah, i mean there's a freaking uh you know user-made tie fighter remake came out this week yeah yeah like crazy like and it's really good did you see the user-made sequel to dark souls that's out there now yeah I saw a that. legit full-on yeah. sequel to dark souls fallout london coming it's like, amazing it, yeah. man what the community is doing it really yeah. is like i'm proud of us even though like we don't do this stuff we don't mod we don't build mm-hmm. levels or whatever is i'm just proud to see people who are players joining the other side without having to join the other side they're just doing it because they love it it's really amazing the stuff that people are doing uh this week a remake kind of of metal gear solid was completely raid made in game builder garage on switch did you see that mm-hmm it's <laughs> I saw somebody remade like a basically an original Ratchet and Clank level in Dreams. Yeah. It's like amazing it's... what you all are doing. I don't I don't know how many people on our chat are actually partaking in that stuff. I don't know. We're all we're all old and broken. Yeah. <laughs> we're old and broken. It's a young man's game. <laughs> our dreams have long since died. Not yeah. the TIE Fighter. I think the TIE Fighter guy's older than us though. <laughs> that was like one dude. That was like crazy. one dude did all that. It's amazing what people are doing. It's really great Go to see. Go look that up. Go look that TIE Fighter remake up. It's a extremely impressive work. Yep. And that's not all. PlayStation bought another studio called Nixus Software, which is basically just like a mobile developer. Um, but you can see that it's starting to dip its toes into that game mm-hmm. as well. It wants to acquire. And also, they do a lot of porting. So mm-hmm. yeah. if they really are upping their PC uh, version quota, like which that could be part of that. Be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sony's positioning itself pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever going to launch a competitor to Game Pass. No, but they are um, – I mean, all they really need to do is make sure that you always need to own a PlayStation for yeah. something. And they seem to be, you know – Once Rift Apart came out, done. Right. But like, <laughs> done. They are, they are, they, you can see with these purchases, they do seem to be future-proofing that idea uh, rather aggressively. Yeah. So. Yep. It, it's funny. I, I, I felt like Microsoft had pretty much pulled even with Sony – with its, all its purchases that it's made, yeah. not yet. I mean, theoretically, two years, two years from now. Yeah, theoretically, in terms of what they could, what their output could be, is yeah. gonna, gonna really depend on what the output is. Because, like, you know, it's, you know, okay, let's see what Obsidian cranks out mm-hmm. at the same time that probably like Naughty Dog's next project is rolling right. out, and you know, that's that's a that's a that's a difficult competition you've set up for yourself there. And then these purchases but. pop up, and it just nudges ahead mm-hmm. again. Um, Neither of these companies are playing, man. They are dead serious about yeah. this console war, and they're putting their, their money where their mouth is. Although I would argue Sony's really shrewd with its acquisitions. It's really smart. I still can't believe how little it paid for Insomniac. Mm-hmm. It was like 200 and some million dollars. And I'm sure all those guys over there, Ted and all those folks, they're, they're like over the moon when they got that offer. Oh, yeah. But, but they were worth more than that. Oh, sure. But also, I mean, I'm sure part of that is the price of keeping their corporate culture the way it was. Yeah. Like, I'm sure Insomniac has more autonomy than you might expect for a wholly owned co- company. There's a reason it's rated one of the top 50 places to work in the United States. Yep. Period. Every not year. just in games. Yeah, not just. Period. One of the t- I think it's been one of the top 30 mid-sized companies in America to work for for like 15 years Running. or something. Like, yeah. It's just, and like and from right. what I, and from what I've seen, like and I've talked to people I know who work there, uh, all accurate. Yes, like, legit. They yeah. all love being there. Yep. So yeah. So 
Um, they got a discount on Insomniac. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know why they sold for so low. You're I right. Mean, that's part of it, probably. They're like, they're, it, we know these people. Autonomy. You know? And also, part of it's like, they have been, you know, very close to Sony forever. I'm sure they've gotten their their money's worth in value out of working with Sony all that time like yeah. you know maybe if you're maybe if you're Ted Price or some of you kind of like rec- recognize that like okay we wouldn't really be here necessarily without Sony all these yeah. years so yep. it all kind of comes together I'm sure there's I'm sure it all works out in the end and because yeah. because look if you're in charge of Insomniac uh, there's no reason to take any deal that you're not happy with yeah like if you really wanted to do it you could name your price just about anywhere in town right well, let so. me ask you this Matt would you rather own Codemasters, which has, <laughs> like, seriously, though, five franchises. It's got F1. It's got all the dirt rally mm-hmm. games. It it has five or six franchises, all racing, for $1.4 billion. Mm-hmm. Or would you rather have Insomniac for 200-some million dollars? I, I would definitely want Insomniac uh, with the caveat that I get to come have muffins in the morning whenever I want. <laughs> That would that would be my that would be my hard line bargain is I want muffins whenever I'm in town. Yeah, um, I mean I would buy Insomniac in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, it's insane what they got Insomniac. Like for. in the end, maybe like maybe the cash flow for Codemasters is maybe a little higher because they put more stuff out and right. things sell a certain amount. Like you yeah. know, Insomniac's more of an art house sort of thing. But in terms of being proud and like the value for the money, like imagine if it was just more Insomniacs, you could buy five Insomniacs for the amount of money you paid for one Codemasters. I know. Yeah. I mean, if, th- if four th- other companies as good as Insomniac even existed, you right? Know, like that's a function of EA overpaying for Codemasters yeah. and Sony underpaying for mm-hmm. Insomniac. So maybe the better question is find the middle there for eight hundred million. Which one would mm-hmm. you rather have, Cody's or? I'm still gonna go with Insomniac on that one. It's tougher. But probably, mm. yeah. I just don't think Codemasters has the ability to produce any game that'll sell 12 to 20 million copies. Probably I just not. don't. Um, I don't see any racing game ever selling that ever again, to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, that was, a, that was a Gran Turismo in its heyday yeah. kind of thing. When it was head and shoulders above. There are yeah, still, when there was just nothing else competing with it. By the way, there are still lots of Gran Turismo fanboys out there. Oh, I know, yeah. I've discovered those on YouTube in our mm-hmm. comments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny, because we... It's funny. There's some stuff that we well, talk about. Well, what else are they supposed to do? Play Gran Turismo? Yeah. It's boring. <laughs> well, it's funny. Like, some stuff that we talk about <laughs> on Game Face or in our E3 coverage, it's like, to us, it's just settled law. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't even, like, address it or explain it anymore. Like, when we were talking about how Forza has lapped Gran Turismo. Like, sure. that's not even a question to me. It's no. not something I consider or reconsider and wonder if I'm wrong about. Like, it's just the way it is. No, but, like, I recognize there are people who think Gran Turismo is better, but I don't care. Yeah. Oh, like, there are think, a yeah. lot. Yeah. <laughs> As I saw on the comments on our E3 coverage. Yeah, but a lot of that is just sort of like, I know you were 12 when you played Gran Turismo for the first time, um, and it's very hard to get over that, Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Um, but, like, that doesn't mean you're right. Yeah. Uh, Forza is a better package almost in every regard. Yeah. Uh, There's still people out there who do so- not believe that. And some of us abandoned Gran Turismo when they spent a full generation and a half refusing to put damage in the fucking thing because <laughs> they couldn't model it accurately. Meanwhile, Forza is just tearing shit up. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, the, the manufacturers won't let us do destroy the cars is like and like, you know, like need for speed is like destroying Porsches over here it's just like it's I I never bought a lot of the line as a bullshit from uh, from polyphony uh, when, it, when in that kind of dark period where Grand Turismo just couldn't get it together it was taking years and years to make everything when they'd make it, it was just like oh here's um here's the is a is a it's almost a game more it was more of it's coming like just play that in it for now it's like <laughs> really yeah. okay okay I'm just gonna I'm just, I'm just gonna go play Forza because 
they have the Top Gear guys. I don't know what to tell you. you yeah. Know? Do you know what I also realized, Matt, recently? Is that people still call Sony fanboys Sony ponies. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? I think they just wanted something that rhymed. That is the dumbest name for fanboys ever. Like, yeah, in all this time, no one has come up with a better name for Sony fanboys than Sony no. Pony. Yeah, they just ride the pony. You know. <laughs> what the hell does that even it was mean? The, it was the Mario Monks and uh, the Sony Ponies. Well, they're called like Nintenbot or Nintenbot. Well, they've got more, but back, but back in the, the old days, like the old, old days, uh, they were Mario Monks. I had never heard that, actually. That was, that was on Usenet. Usenet in the 90s, when you were arguing about the Saturn versus the PS1 versus the N64, they were the Mario Monks. Like, because, Xbox, because anything, I get. Xbox, anything said against... Droids, uh, I get. Anything said against uh, Nintendo was b- b- blasphemy. That's why. They, they were, <laughs> Sony they were Mario ponies. Monks. Sony ponies. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> it's stuck all this time. They st- I just saw it on Twitter. That's what, this week, I was like, what? People still use that to make fun of PlayStation fans? It's bizarre. Uh, but anyway, the Sony ponies are very happy this week because those are big acquisitions from PlayStation. They're going to pay dividends. I think we won't know exactly how this shakes out for a couple years when we see, like, the next wave of stuff from Housemark. Uh, we see what they're actually going to do with Bluepoint. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up just saying, you know what, Bluepoint? We're taking all these other people off of The Last of Us remake, and it's yours now. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now it's tying up like three or four studios working on that. Blue Point has proven it can knock it out of the park. So I, uh, I just think that that's probably what's going to happen. Is that Blue Point's going to get put on that Last of Us remake? What are you seeing in the chat that's catching your eye? No, I'm are well. there Gran Turismo fans on here talking? There's one. <laughs> There's there? always one. <laughs> there is always one. <laughs> and sneaky uh, yeah. Solid Snake uh, doesn't like Insomniac very much. Would Insomniac be relevant? He, I think, I think he's a troll, Matt. I think he, in our chat he says stuff that he knows we will disagree with so that we will mention him, one, in the show. Also, then, Sunset Overdrive was fucking awesome. It really was, so yeah. Sucked, one of the most sucked, underrated no. games of the last, no. like, ten years for sure. Um, somebody who says that they don't like Insomniac, I don't even know what to say to that. But we mentioned his name in the show again, so his mission was accomplished, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, that's it. Three big acquisitions for PlayStation in one week. Uh, they picked up Housemark, they picked up Bluepoint, and then this other developer no one's ever heard of called Nixus. I've never even heard of them before this. Had you? Uh, I'd heard of them, but I didn't think of them as somebody they could buy. I yeah, I'd buy. never even heard of them before this. I was like, what the hell is that? So I think a lot of people probably I think that. I really think that's related to the, the PC port. Uh, initiative. They do know. need help with their PC ports for sure. Oh, yeah, Horizon certainly showed that. Yep, absolutely. Um, and I mean, I don't think any of their PC ports have been amazing so far. No, I mean, all both of them, I guess. But well, uh, there was. Well, is there only two? I mean, it was, it was uh, Horizon, Horizon, um, and uh, Death Stranding were the main ones. If there was another one, I don't remember it. Oh, the um, zombie game from. Bent. Oh right, days days, days gone. gone. Yeah, so there's been three, I don't and remember. none of them have been. Amazing, although it seems like Days Gone is the one that has received the most praise. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of technical problems being complained about with Days Gone, just uh, that it's an extraordinarily mediocre game. Yeah. So. Yep. Which is why. But on PC, PC, I would (laughs) on PC, I would imagine you can uh, mod that stupid motorcycle to actually get more than five feet to the gallon. So that might (laughs) that might improve it immensely. Maybe I should play that version. Yep. Uh, Okay, so there you go. Those are the big purchases from Sony over the last week. Next up. 
Time to talk about Mario Golf Super Rush. Um, I While Matt was gone over the last week, I actually did a little show called The Grind um, that was kind of supposed to be a little bit of a replacement for Game Face. But look, I know, and I can look at the data, I know that a fraction of the people who watch Game Face, whether you're on Sifted, whether you're on our Patreon, or whether you're on our YouTube channel, will actually watch The Grind because that's just the way it is. It doesn't matter what we produce, Matt. Game Face is always going to destroy everything else as far as views. Uh, so I am going to talk about some of the things that I talked about in the grind about Mario Golf Super Rush. But to reach the most of our audience, we kind of need to talk about stuff on Game Face. I'm not going to talk about everything that was in the grind. We're not going to talk about uh, Neo. The world ends with you today on the show. Uh, but we are going to talk about Mario Golf. Matt, did you take the dive and uh, buy this? No. I no. could not bring myself to to buy this what uh, kept you from doing so uh pretty much impressions from people online being like Mm-mm-mm, this is mario tennis again like it was not enough content not enough compelling anything like it just doesn't have the you know i'm willing to buy like a, an arcade golf game i i loved uh everybody's golf slash hot shots golf i loved uh super swing golf slash panya um but and I, i've I've had a couple mario golfs in my time but uh i just didn't see i did not see enough enthusiasm from even the hardcore Nintendo fans to make me think this was worth a full price purchase. Well, you were right. Mm. <laughs> and I, I will say this too. You were smart to listen to the fans for once instead of critics because the Metacritic aggregate for this is pretty damn high. Um, most reviews have been in the eights or higher. I honestly do not trust Nintendo reviews much. Like, oh, it's, interesting. Like, I, I feel like Nintendo games are routinely overrated by the press. Um, I don't know why that is. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I was going to follow up with why do you think that um, is? I, I I mean, I think that in the sense that I almost routinely would rate most of the Nintendo games I play about 10 points lower than their Metacritic. Um, but I don't know why that's the phenomenon. Maybe you just don't want to get yelled at by Nintendo fans. But if, if the Nintendo faithful come out of the gate with a game being like, mm-mm. Like, then I'm, then you know. Then I'm like, <laughs> oh, the red flags go way up on that one. <laughs> Well, I went into this with an open mind. I really didn't check out much coverage on it at all. I did play Mario Tennis for Switch, and my biggest complaint with that was a lack of content. Um, and I feel I feel like back then, I assumed that DLC was going to come for that game, like a lot of it. And mm-hmm. I think maybe if you go back and watch the game face where we covered it, I probably even said there, yeah, the content's a little light, but Nintendo's been pretty good about supporting its games post-launch, and this should get a lot of DLC. It did get DLC, but not a lot of it. And I would argue not enough to make the full purchase price worth it all this time later. Mario Golf Super Rush is in a very similar position at launch. It is very, very light on content. There are only, really there are five courses, there's six total, um, five that are really legitimate, and then there's like a beginner's course, which looks like a course that you and I could have made in Game mm. Builder Garage in like a couple minutes. So there are six courses total, five really themed ones that where they really go all in on them. Um, and so just the course load alone is anemic compared to any other golf game. Even like the first year that 2K did its brand new golf franchise, or PGA, 2K, whatever, it had 10 courses the first year. And now it's already bludgeoned up to like 13 or 14 courses. This has six. Um, As far as the modes go, everyone probably wants to know about speed golf because that's really the big hook of this game. It is called Mario Golf Super Rush. And if you look at all the pre-launch trailers and marketing for Nintendo, it almost exclusively focused on the speed golf. 
You're seeing it right now in the B-roll. It is literally what you think it is. The objective is to hole in as quickly as possible. Now, who wins isn't just who gets in the hole first because you get penalties for strokes. So I think each stroke is like 30 seconds or whatever added on to your time. So you could finish before other players. But if you have more strokes than them, when they calculate everything in the end, you could still lose the hole. So there's like a little algorithm that goes on underneath the hood. But you you drive off the tee box at the same time, and then the race is on. Once you leave the tee box, you have like a turbo that you can use to run quickly, and that's what that stamina meter is you're seeing there below my character, below my me. Um, and then if you run into one of the hearts, it rebuilds your stamina or turbo meter, whatever you want to call it. And part of the quote-unquote fun is stringing together the hearts as you run mm. down the fairway so that you never run out of turbo, so you can basically sprint to your ball at all times. Now, everybody, everyone has a sprint, but everyone also has like a, a super dash, which is essentially an attack. Um, you do like this spin thing where you fly up into the air, and if you hit any, any of the competitors while you're doing that, they'll fall down, they'll lose time, and they'll also lose some of the coins that they've collected. Why are the coins important? Because the coins give you your super shot. And the super shot, it isn't different for every character in the game. I think I counted eight different ones total that are stretched out across, like, I think there's 16 total characters that you can play as. So there's a lot of duplicates. Like, the me just basically has a shot that can destroy stuff. So if you have an obstacle between you and the pin, and you don't want to kind of curve it around the obstacle, and you just want to shoot it straight, you can pull out your special shot, and you can use it. It'll destroy whatever is in your path and fly straight onto the green. And then other ones, they're all different. Some of them have like shots that are guaranteed to land on the green or whatever. But that is all governed by the coins that you collect. So it's kind of like Mario Kart on the golf course where there's just one power up. <laughs> I guess is the best way to describe it. Everybody has like that special dash that they can use. And that's pretty much the only ta- attack that you have. Um I spent the most of my time playing this game. I played it in the adventure mode. It is a single-player RPG-ish thing that you play. There are six or seven different categories that you boost as you play through it. Um, There's, like, your power. There's your shot accuracy. There's your running speed. There's your stamina meter. There's a curve that you can affect um, as you play through it. The adventure mode probably took me about six hours to complete. It starts off really mundane. You're just this young golfer in the Mushroom Kingdom. You go to this big tournament. You're trying to become Which raises like... more questions, yeah. really, when you think about it. <laughs> yep. And uh, so you start at the beginner's course. You prove your value to that. And then basically how it works is at each course you you earn like a badge. And then once you com- you earn that badge, you go to a gate, and that gets you through the gate that takes you to the next area. And I'll say this. Like, when you go into the next area, it's cool. Like, they've done a great job, like, modeling each area in each course and the areas around the clubhouse and leading out to the tee boxes and stuff like that. There's just nothing to do. Um, There are tons of characters around that you can talk to, but when you talk to them, they either offer to teach you how to do something in the game or it's just complete nonsense. Hmm. Um, You go through three quarters of the adventure mode, and then in the last act, a real story appears where... Hmm. It's Wario and Waluigi. They're trying to find some hidden treasure on the golf course, and you're trying to stop them. And literally, Matt, the last hour of the adventure mode turns into kind of a legitimate adventure mode. There are boss fights, Hmm. golf boss fights. They're not handled especially well, but they're there. Um, But when that ends, and it takes about five or six hours for it to end, 
all you're left with are single player options where you can go for like time attack or score attack. Um, and then you can play online, which is what mm-hmm. you're seeing right now. It's too bad with like golf story existing that they didn't take more cues from that. Yeah. I mean, they tried. I mean, because there is like an RPG ish mm-hmm. story mode that you play through, it's just not compelling at all. Um, it's really just a means to level up your me um, as you win each tournament and. And the points are plentiful. I think when I finished the game, I was like level like 70 or something ridiculous. Um, Pretty much all my stats had been maxed out except for my curve. That was the one that I hardly used throughout the game. Um, And so once you finish that, really the only thing to play is online. And Nintendo Online... As we all know, if you've tried to play anything on it, it has issues. The lag is worse. Operative word being tried. Yeah. The lag is worse there than it is anywhere else because most people are playing their Switches via Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi instead of a wired connection. If you get in a group with a bunch of people playing on weak Wi-Fi, there's going to be lag. Um, I'll say this, though. It seemed to affect the other players more than me. Like I would watch another person's shot and their meter would be all jerky. Mine generally was pretty smooth. So it feels like Nintendo's kind of worked out some way. Maybe they do the the actual meter locally on the hardware and then send the information out. I don't that's, know. That's what I would normally expect from I me. Mean, that's what a lot of games do in general, especially if they're doing peer-to-peer stuff. Yeah. Which I imagine they are. Cause... It wasn't a deal breaker. The bigger problem with playing online is actually getting a game. So you can do two things. You can either start a game and have people join it, or you can try to join other other people's. And I'll say this, the the web browser is, or the uh, server browser is pretty good. They show you enough information. They'll tell you like how many holes they're going to play, which rules are they going to play. Are they going to play speed golf or just you know traditional golf? And then you can just click a button and join. I could hardly ever join someone's room. Hardly at all. Like one out of six tries, maybe I get into someone's room. And then a lot of times by the time it does connect, someone else has already filled it up and you get rejected. As soon as I just started my own session, though, I had no problem getting people to join. Hmm. It was bizarre. It's like, okay, well, if I can get people to join my games, why can't I join other people's games? What's going on here? And look, my setup at home, I use it for everything. I've been playing Switch games online for years. I've been playing... You know, my PS5, my Xbox Series X, no problems with connections at all. So I do not think it's a problem on my side. Um, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe they fixed it since I finished playing this game. Um, But that's it for the content. So if you're not interested in playing online, and when you're playing online, it takes a long time to finish games because you can't skip someone else's, like, whatever. Mm. They have to do it. So you're at the mercy of when the other players want to skip stuff. Um, and it does take quite a while to finish a single round of golf online, so it's a pretty big commitment. Uh, let's talk about how the game actually plays. It does try to do some innovative and different stuff with the swing mechanics. Um, one thing I complain about a lot on the grind about how the game works is like how they handle topspin and backspin in this game. If you remember in Hot Shots, Matt, if you want to backspin, you just hold the D-pad down mm-hmm. while you're doing going through the shot process. Or if you want a topspin... You just hold the D-pad up while you're going through the swing process. In this, if you want to do topspin, when you set the power of your shot, you have to double tap a button. Hmm. And if you want to set backspin on your shot, you have to double tap the backspin button. Um, And it does take a while to get used to it. I was not a huge fan of that. However, one thing I do like about how they handle the swings in this game is the curve. So the curve in this game, before you just, like, in other games, you just set it and forget it. You set your curve up, and then you just swing. In this one, you're actually setting the curve while you're swinging. 
by tapping the analog stick or holding rather the analog stick left or right while you're doing the swing. And it's hard. Like the difference between a really intense hook or slice and a very slight one is hard to get nailed down because the, the amount of play that you have in the analog stick is minimal. And it does take a while to kind of just get over the hump of holding the stick slightly in one direction or the other while you're going through the whole swing process. But overall, I think that they came up with some pretty unique ideas for how to do it, and I think it's something that maybe other games might want to at least examine going forward when they start looking at how they handle swing mechanics. But I'll be honest with you, Matt. Like The old way of set it once for power, set it second for accuracy, I'm totally fine with that. Like There mm-hmm. is no accuracy setting in this game, Matt. You don't have to like tap it the next time. It just automatically goes to a perfect swing. And I think the, what, the reason they've done that is because of speed golf. If you are playing speed golf, you just simply don't have the time to set up and, like, look at the wind speed and, like, zoom in on the green. And so if I knock it on the green, is it going to roll off the right-hand side of the green? Is it going to roll off the left-hand side of the green? All the preview stuff in this is very limited as far as being able to just use a free camera and look at the course. You could tap um, a button, and it will show you an overhead of the entire hole, but you can't really like zoom down. Eventually you can buy this like range finder thing that gives you a little bit more control over previewing the hole, but not enough. It, it, I don't understand what they're thinking there. It makes no sense to me. Every golf game for the last 20 years has given you a free camera to look at whatever part of the hole you want to, for whatever reason in this game, no dice. Um, even when you're on the green, the only view you can look at the hole is from the perspective of you as the golfer. You can't free up the camera and like zoom around at the green and kind of look for little divots or things like that. There is a grid on the green that helps a good bit with kind of reading the green and what's going on. It's color-coded, so if it's red, that means it's going downhill. If it's blue, it means it's going uphill. But it's really hard to tell how how hard the uphill is or how steep the downhill is. And it's just, for me, it was very hard to judge the power of my putts in this game Hmm. uh, for that very reason. Also very hard on an approach shot to figure out, okay, if I get it on the green, what's the ball going to do? Is it going to roll off on the right and go in a bunker? Is it better for me to lay up? It's just very hard to tell what the greens are until you get on them. And even then, you're not given enough detail to really make an educated decision on, on putting and things like that. A lot of playing this game felt like luck. Like when I would... Like, I got a couple albatrosses, which is the next closest thing to a hole-in-one. I can't really tell you what I did when I got those that was any different from what I had done on other shots where they had landed 20 yards away from the the pole. Um, Obviously, a lot of it is accounting for and reading the wind. And so if the wind's blowing right, aim way left. I even have problems really getting that down to where I can get my shots online. I just, overall... I just didn't feel like this game give don't feel like this game gives the player enough feedback to make smart decisions on the course. I gotta get that impression just watching the footage. Yeah. Like I feel like the whole game was built around speed golf. That's mm-hmm. really what it is. Instead of like the traditional just whoever has the lowest shot wins, which is what most people play online, by the way. Most mm-hmm. people online just play the traditional golf. They yeah, don't I feel play like speed golf. There's an element of this that sort of feels like there's like we're we gotta make this game for people who think but golf is boring. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I do kind of think normal golf is boring, yeah. but I think arcade golf is fun. There's and a lot of people like you, Matt, who don't like golf in real life, will never watch a real golf tournament, and enjoy playing golf video mm-hmm. games. Like, I do like golf, and I play. 
I still don't I watch did it. Play for I a while. still don't watch it on TV. <laughs> I did play for a while, but uh, I got bored with it because I don't I don't want to spend my whole day doing that. I, whole day being frustrated. Frustrated. Also, just like it's a long, it's a chunkier weekend that goes away, and I don't I don't get a lot out of it. Although the main reason I did is because my friend was a member of the Olympic Club, and if you go to the Olympic Club, they have burger dogs at the ninth <laughs> hole. Um, where they, it's like these seasoned like hamburgers that are shaped like. Like hot dogs, and they put them in a hot dog bun, and eat it. Oh, Jerry Rice used to down them by the. Dozen. The best part about golf is having a couple beers with your yeah, friends. Yeah, the social outside. aspect. That's is it. It's a fun. That's part. the best yeah. part. And if you hit one great shot in a day, that's a win. Right, and honestly, <laughs> I can go to a driving range and do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but I do. Also, think- I do like uh, breaking rules in golf carts. Like, yeah, the, jumping the, golf yeah, carts, yeah. whatever. The, go- the golf carts are fun once they can't see you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so. For sure, there's a lot of fun to be had <laughs> playing golf. Let's be yeah. honest. It, g- generally, your enjoyment of golf and is directly- sprinting down the green is not one of them. No, it's not. <laughs> and that there really, are no hearts on the real greens, yeah, boys. That really is the root of the problem with this golf game. Is the whole thing has been built around the concept of speed golf. So all the trimmings that you just expect, even in arcade golf games at this point, are just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and speed golf, it's kind of a novelty. It, I don't know, I. Again, you know what I said off the top, I really struggle to tell somebody to buy this game at full price. Do I think other courses are going to come along? Absolutely. Do I think there will be enough to rationalize $60? I don't. Uh, And all I'm doing is looking at precedent. Like, what did I see from the Mario Tennis game? Mm -hmm. And not enough at the end of the day to make it worth the cost, the, the price that they were asking for it. So... I'm not a big fan of this. This is I look, I don't like to try to slag other people's reviews. Reviews are opinions and everybody has a different opinion, but I would say this. Look, when you go to look at the metacritic for this, take it with a grain of salt because I'm not sure why. Maybe some people like the speed golf and they're glad that the whole game was built around speed golf. And if that is their perspective, I could probably understand why they like this game more than me. Um, I did not enjoy speed golf enough for it to replace traditional stroke-based play. And therefore, this game has a lot of shortcomings for me. Um, I think they do a good job with, like, the characters. There's, like, 16 of them. There are really no glaring omissions. There was no character. I'm like, wait a minute. Where's blah, blah, blah? Um, And there's a pretty good mix of female characters and male characters. Um, There's even some that some people may be like, who the heck is that? So I don't expect there to be a lot more character DLC for the game. Maybe a couple here and there. Yeah, that looked like a pretty full roster to me. Yeah. But I do think that we'll get other courses eventually. And, I mean, if you're buying it at full price at this point, you're just kind of putting your faith in Nintendo that they're going to support it with more DLC Mm -hmm. than it has for its other sports games so far on Switch. And that's what really gives me pause is looking at the precedent, looking at what Nintendo has done in the past, and I'm just not confident enough to know that they'll release enough courses. The online play is fine. It's not good. It's not bad. It has basically the bells and whistles you would expect. And it's not destroyed by lag, which is really important because one lag spike during a swing can literally cost you an entire match mm-hmm. if you think about golf. You hit one swing, one swing goes into the water. If you're playing online where the competition is pretty fierce, you're done. Um, so it is really important that there isn't lag. And I never felt like I lost a match online due to latency or a lag spike or packet loss or whatever you want to call it. Um, but 60 bucks. Tough, tough buy for me. If you're really hardcore into golf and you only have a Switch, that's then maybe buy it um, because there aren't that many golf games on Switch. Let's be honest. There is Golf Story, and that's, I would probably recommend that before mm-hmm. this. 
Like that's not as full fledged a golf right game it's, necessarily, it but it's more in the story side of yeah, things. But it kind of does it. It does it better than this does. It seems yeah. to be, it seems to do it. Yeah, and it's a more unique experience. It uh, yeah, and I mean, I, you and you're not going to be comparing it to previous Mario Golf games and being disappointed. Yeah, in comparison. And I'll say this, Matt. I spent a lot more time with Golf Story mm-hmm. than I spent with this game. Where's that sequel? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. That's one of the year. great mysteries from like the they last. Mentioned like, it. I mentioned it a while ago. It's like I think it's still supposed to come this year, but yeah, I, don't, I really thought we'd have that one by now. Yeah, I, I think bottom line is that adding more action to a golf game, like I, I think you're right. I think that's their their intention was. A lot of people think golf is boring, so let's make it not boring. Mm-hmm. But what if you made it good instead? Yeah. What mm-hmm. if you just made a good golf game? Yeah. Yeah. That seems to work for Sony. It does. I mean, Hot Shots Golf has no problem selling copies. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where Nintendo was on this. Um, I'm not adverse to speed golf. I enjoyed it. Um, in the context of the adventure mode, it could be fun at times. But then you also have to deal well, deal with. But you also have to play with really stupid AI. Mm-hmm. Like the game decides whether you should win or not. So you get to like the last hole, whether you're playing three holes, nine holes, or 18 holes, you get to that last hole. And if the computer is winning and it feels like you should win, you get to that last hole, they'll like be on the fringe and hit it like 50 yards over the green and then take like five shots to get back on the <laughs> green and then like three putt once they're on the green. Like basically, it's just letting you win. Um, and so there's all kinds of weird, goofy stuff. In fact, Vincent shared like some other video that was on Reddit or something where someone literally hit it like 200 yards over the green. I've never seen anything that bad playing it, but I've seen just really goofy stuff where it's like, we're, we want you to win this one, mm-hmm. so we're just going to have all the AI do really bad stuff or stupid stuff. And you have to sit there and watch it, by the way. Mm. You can't, like, while you're playing with AI, you can't for a fast word pass their shots. So you have to watch them, like, run over to their ball, hit the ball back on. And you have to watch them putt out every time. Um, yeah. It's mm. not great. I Like, I didn't think anything about the review scores when I first saw them. I was like, well, whatever. I'll play it and see. And I would now I'm like, wow. Like, I'm wondering what perspective they were coming from. I don't think that they're, like, in the tank for Nintendo or anything like that. I think they mm. legitimately enjoyed it that much. Or maybe they just haven't a lot, had a lot of experience with other golf games. I don't know. Uh, but my opinion on this game definitely differs from what you've seen at a lot of other publications and a lot of other outlets. Um, and I do play golf. I've played golf since I was 13. Um, and for big stretches of my life, a lot. Like back when I lived in Philadelphia, me and my buddies would go at least once a week, a lot of times twice a week. Um, and when I first moved to L.A. in the Bay Area, I played a lot. I have not played a lot lately since COVID happened, which is weird because that was the one thing you could actually do. Mm-hmm. I think what happened is COVID – broke up my golf group and so i think everyone was just like every man for himself if you can find people to play with go play so i haven't played for a while but um it is a very challenging sport that's what i like about it also what drives me crazy about it is the only the only sport harder than skateboarding has been golf in my life anyway um so anyway there you go mario golf super rush switch exclusive 60 bucks i say do not do it even if you're desperate and looking at july you could get there Mm. <laughs> there's not a lot of big games coming out in I th- July. I think there's another thing for. I mean, it's not exactly an analog to golf, but there's another yeah. big switch thing coming that I think is a better investment. Skyward we'll get, Sword that we'll get to. Oh no, <laughs> more immediate. It's later in the show. <laughs> okay. I was joking because I know you hate Skyward Sword, and so do I, really, for the most part. 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can actually fix that and make it something that you and I want to play I, with. I this. don't see how you. I mean, I don't. I'm. I'm I am curious to see how it plays without the obsessive motion controls. Yeah. Um, that might fix it for me, but we'll see. It is weird too because the whole game was built around the motion controls. Yeah. Because the enemies will hold their shields like vertical right. or horizontal, so you know whether to slice. It's all centered around it. Right. And the other weird thing about that game to me is it's like probably the most story-driven Zelda game. It is. Like it, it's. It's also like one of the only times I ever really bought the Zelda Link relationship. Yeah. Like it's like they felt like they liked each other yeah. and knew who the like they they actually got somewhere in that one. Well done, Anumi. You slipped that one past Miyamoto. Remember the flappy jaw animation oh, where yeah. he would finally Link finally talked in a video yeah. game and his mouth was just like <laughs> Excuse me, princess. Yeah. I mean, it, look, it does chronicle the origin of the Master Sword. Yeah, it's the earliest uh, Zelda. It's the earliest thing in the Zelda timeline. So it kind of tells you how everything happens, how they mm -hmm. become friends, Link and Princess Zelda, where the Master Sword comes from. There's important stuff in that game yeah. that deserve to be in a better game. Yeah. And I believe they said they are reducing f the amount of uh, interruptions from Fee or Fi or whatever the hell that name is. also a welcomed It's also change. a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the biggest complaint most people have with Skyward Sword is feet. Yeah. Well, one of my biggest ones is her and also sort of just the general weird hand-holding of it where it's like yeah. every time you loaded your save, it told you what a heart did again. I'm just yeah. like, guys, <laughs> well, we it. know. Yeah. <laughs> we know what probably the most ubiquitous like video game icon ever <laughs> is. Like, We know what the heart does. Yeah. It's you can... You don't have to tell me every time I turn the system on. Yeah. yeah like Because there's a point at which, like, it just sort of forcibly reminds you at the time. It forcibly reminded me of, like, yes, I know you think you're making this all for, like, new three people who've never played. For three-year-old kids. No, for people who've never played games before. That's yeah. what they're doing. They think they have a whole new audience that's never touched a video, a Zelda game before because the Wii and the Wii U. Well, not the Wii U, but the Wii sold so right. well. Yeah. Um. But in the and end, they we know stupidly thought that people who that got they, Wii Sports were going to buy right. Skyward Sword. Like they, they thought that people weren't just buying it for, as a Wii bowling machine. Yeah, you know? and it's like no, like that's I'd, why they have it. I'd say well over fifty percent of the Wiis out there have never had anything in them but Wii Sports. Yes, yeah, never bought a game. No, they got their free Wii Sports. I mean, we in. saw that when like when Mario Galaxy came out. Mario Galaxy, one of the, one of the greatest games Nintendo's ever made. I would say. I yeah. don't. Th I don't think a lot of people would disagree with that. Yeah. It sold like 10 million copies. There were 110 million Wii's. But it took and forever, it took forever to, do that. to get to the that. The attach rate yeah. was not there at all. Like yeah. it was, you did not create 100 million new gamers. Yeah. You just sold it to all of us again, and then a bunch of other people played Wii Sports and Wii Play. Yeah. That's it. That's why the Switch has been such a boon. Yeah. Because it's been a smash hit like bigger than the Wii, yeah. even. It's tracking better than the Wii right, right. now. Right, but they came back to and like their roots They're getting people to buy it. software now, though. That's yeah. the big change. Um, the Wii was a smashing success in terms of outwardly. hardware penetration. Yeah. yeah, but in terms of like selling selling the razors, making money. Yeah, yeah. In terms of selling the razors for the for razor blades for the for the razors, which is where the real money's made. Yep. The Switch has demolished it. Demolished so. it. Yep. The attach rate's way higher. Yeah. But All probably right. not with Mario Golf. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Although you would think that might be a game that could break through and do well because it is more. Look, let's be honest. Like a lot of people who own Switches are aren't core gamers. There's a lot yeah. of casual folks who are buying it. A golf game you think might work with that audience. Maybe. We'll see. I think you needed to make something a little more robust and a little less weird. Yeah. Like, I, I think the speed golf thing's a cool idea. It's like an extra mode, but yeah. centering they the whole thing around it is weird. The core of the game for a fringe option. Yeah. Their mistake was positioning the game 
as a speed golf game, thus Super Rush. Well, it's also, I think, kind of endemic to Nintendo's, one of the errors Nintendo always makes is like, they won't just do it again, but better. Yeah. You know, it always has to have some new twist. It has to be different in some weird way. It, has, yeah. it can't be the same game again, but just bigger and better and cooler. It has to be like, oh, it has to be a weird thing that like changes everything up and makes it so the thing you liked last time isn't really the way it was before. Now you're not happy anymore. You know, it's like yeah. sort of how I feel about like the next Fire Emblem. You know, I, I, how much I like Three Houses, and I'm like, the next Fire Emblem is inevitably going to be like an annoying disappointment <laughs> because they're not going to deliver the same thing. And it's going to like go back to its roots, or it's going to like. I don't know. Add some action element that I don't want, and it's gonna, it's gonna, it should be a sequel to Three Houses. It should just be Three Houses Two, Six Houses. But instead, they're gonna, they're gonna break it. They're gonna do something wrong. They're gonna do, they're gonna come up with some innovation that just makes everybody angry. Yep, you're probably right. That's what man. they do? Yeah. <laughs> what are we gonna do? It's Nintendo's way, and sometimes I can't, I can't wait to see what stupid thing they put in a Metroid Prime Four that makes everybody not want to play that anymore. Sometimes it works out for the good. Sometimes Every once in a while. It, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, see. Yep. we'll see. The amount of time Metroid Prime 4 is spending in development hell is uh, disturbing. It is because, disturbing. Because that's when, that's when, that's when uh, Shigeru starts <laughs> he thinking. He starts meddling. Yeah. Starts thinking and comes over and it's like, what if we did this? And no one in the entire building is going to contradict the man who invented Donkey Kong and Mario. Yeah. So they're just like, all right, we will. It was like working at. She M- will. Uh, she will. <laughs> She will defeat Metroids by offering them popsicles. Like, yes, yeah. that's what we'll do. It was now. like working at MTV and being in a meeting with the people who created the real world. <laughs> like, no, no matter how, what they said, how stupid it was, mm. or inane, or out of touch, in all honesty, yeah. it was. Everybody in the room because was the like, real oh. world. Oh yeah, yeah. The real world was a long time ago, <laughs> and those people were still there. Oh, I'm sure, collecting gigantic salaries to come into meetings and ruin shit. The people. That's yeah, pretty I, much what they're. I was job talking was. about that with someone about how like I only have memories of like the New York one, which was the right. first one, yeah. and then the second one, which was San Francisco, because it was San Francisco. Yeah. It was San Francisco, and it wasn't until we looked it up on Wikipedia we realized San Francisco was the third one. Right. Season two was Los Angeles, and no one remembers that one because nothing <laughs> fucking. Happen, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was the beginning of reality TV, right. and like yep. those people were treated like gods at MTV. And it, honestly, sure. I feel like that is what doomed. MTV. Oh, absolutely. That's why they stopped when playing music. Ask like, why did MTV change? Why does no one care about MTV? the real world? It's because they kept the people around yeah. way too long that created the real world. Yep. Absolutely. I don't know why we, how we got off on this tangent. It's time to move on. The tangent was about uh, corporate decisions that don't understand that people just want the thing they like again. Yes, that's what spawned it. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that Matt has played and I have not touched, and that is Ender Lilies. Did it come out last week? Last week, yeah. I actually have played a little bit of it. I played just enough to capture B-roll. I played like the first 30 minutes mm-hmm. of it or something like that. I mean, that. You, you've, from what I've seen like like an hour and a half in, you, I you figured got, it you out got at the this gist. point. Okay. You're, 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 <laughs> You're not. I mean, this is a straight up uh, Metroidvania. It is, like in, yeah. the, in the purest sense. Uh, whether you consider that good or bad is sort of up to you. Um, it is uh, very much in the vein of a sad protagonist. Uh, <laughs> the game, the walk, game we've been yeah. talking about for the last sad like, protagonist three walks to the right through a ruined <laughs> world that is going to die soon. Um, but it's. I mean, the difference here is like I, they're using very nice what I believe is hand drawn art. Um, it's very clear. The characters are big and well animated. I it's, love how it looks. It's not, yeah, it's not the same pixel art that we've seen so often, which I also like. But like, I've seen a lot of it. This is this is gorgeous. It really is. Yeah, um, it's almost kind of monochromatic. 
a little bit to it. Yeah, the coloring is very washed out and very light. It, it has a it has a team eco yeah, flavor in that's places. That's a good way to describe it, actually. Um, the, but then the, the, some there are some colors oh, on yeah. stuff that you need to really pay attention to. Yeah, it's a very visually uh, well designed game, just yeah. in terms of drawing your eye to what needs to be drawn. Uh, differentiating between the different characters and different enemies and what they are, you can tell which enemy is. You know, there's all a lot of you know. There's a lot, they're all these. They're called the blighted, and they're all sort of like zombie-ish, like undeady looking things. But you can tell at a single glance which one is which. Like even if it's, even the like the three different guys that are just sort of basically zombies with swords, you know at a single glance which one is going to charge you, which one is has, is going to hold up a shield, and which one is going to jump. Yeah. Like there's like there's never confusion over what you're looking at. Uh, which I found very refreshing. Um, plays well. Controls are tight. Um, combat solid. Uh, the upgrade system is cool. Like you know, early on, you're just adding to your. Um, you're just adding to your. Uh, um, you know, hit point meter or whatever, and then eventually, you, as you beat bosses, you get and and mini bosses, you get spirits which you can equip as you know new moves. So your yep. standard move is this you know this sword swing, which is extremely powerful. Yeah, has a very wide reach. Um, like you can you can handle almost anything with just with that. If well, you that want to. and the the dive. Yeah, and the di- you tr- pull the pull the right trigger at least where I you know I'm playing on the Xbox. Uh, right trigger, she does like a a dodge roll like right there. That is completely invincible for several frames. Yeah, um, it took you- me a little bit. To figure it out. Once I did figure it out, I was a diving yeah. fool. And if you and if you uh, if you dive in the wrong place, if you dive in and like the the dive ends before you're done touching the enemy, you will get hurt. Yeah. And she can't take a lot of a lot of damage. Like she's here, as you see there, just touching that basic blob thing took off like I'd say a four, fourth of her health health yeah. almost. Uh, you have you can see there the uh, the little dots, little like star things under her health bar. Uh, so those are like little prayer things, and you get three. Three of them, and you hit the L button, and she prays and gets a certain amount of her health back. I'd say about seventy percent of the bar yep. most of the time. Uh, you can uh, you can find um, little flowers that will give you one of those back. And of course, if you rest on a bench uh, or a bed or whatever a rest zone is, you can get your health back and all your prayers back and save the game and upgrade your upgrade your weapons and change your equipped relics and change your equipped uh, spirits and all that. Um, and, and then down at the bottom left there, yeah, those are your those are your equipped spirits. Yep. So you'll get that. And then if you hit the R, you can sw- you have a second set of three. You can have a completely different set of three for different situations if you want. Yep. Um, and then you have the you have the map up in the corner, standard standard Metroid uh, map design. Uh, you can uh, zoom in on that if you want. You can get rid of it if you want. And then up in the corner, you have her little like pendant thing, and then when that fills up, you level up, and leveling up makes you a little more powerful, gives you a little more health. Um, the the, the RPG progression elements are pretty light. Yeah, the yeah. progression is solid. You level up pretty fast. Uh, I never felt overpowered really. I always felt like I could handle whatever I wandered into, even when I wandered into something that felt like a little more of a mini boss than maybe I wanted me to go up instead of down. But I went down instead, and all of a sudden I'm fighting this giant ogre thing. Yeah, the but first always- boss fight, like when it first started, I didn't think I was gonna beat it. Because if I took a couple slices and I was like, oh, that didn't take much health off. Mm-hmm. And that was when I really understood the dive, the power yeah. of the dive at the first boss fight. Like I did it and I was like, oh, when he charges, I can literally fly right through him and take no damage and get to the other side of him. And it almost became absurdly easy then. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly, I mean, by the time I finished playing this and it may get harder, I thought it, it was really easy. It's not easy. Okay. Uh, because basically once you're a bit past where you, I think you are right now, they start throwing a lot more stuff at you once. Oh, okay. That's the that's the that's the the way they seem to so far at least how they've upped 
the challenge is you have to start fighting basically mixed units. Okay. So you've got a big guy in front of you, and then you've got two sword guys kind of advancing on you like one of those guys, and then there's a guy up up on like a ledge shooting an arrow down at you, and maybe one of these birds is shooting things. Yeah. It's uh, and so yeah, you because there is a cooldown on the uh, on the dive, just in the sense of how long it takes her to get back up. Yep. Um, you know, you can easily find yourself in a situation where no matter what you do, you are not going to dive everything that's hitting that spot at the same time. Yeah. So you got to prioritize what you're doing and start really using your spirits to sort of like give you a little more breathing room. Yeah, based on um, what I played, this game is more Castlevania than Metroid. Yeah, I would say there's more Castle, more Symphony of the Night, Egovania to it. Yeah, yeah that, that was definitely, and I have no problem with that. I, I like yeah. that. Um, uh, and you know, it's got the same sort of melancholy you'd expect from it. It's not Dark. It's not a Dark Souls alike. It's not a Dark Souls clone. There are no Dark Souls elements to it. Really, you die normally and respawn yeah. where you saved, and it's fine. Um, but obviously, there is that melancholy that 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 uh, Dark Souls has. It's that element of like, oh, everything's dead, and you have to figure out why it's all dying, and everyone you know is a zombie, and like you have to, you can't rescue them, but you can like release them Set from them their free. torment, kind of thing. And the objective of the game is to remove the undead from the land, yeah. basically. Yeah, you're like the white priestess or something who's mm-hmm. been, and like you're you're basically, you basically like anoint them. Yeah, after you've like. Killed them after you beat the shit out of them, <laughs> and then and then they give you their spirit to help you sometimes as you and, move forward. Yeah, yeah, and that's sort of how it rolls. And here you see a, you picked up a thing. Oh, five more hit points. Yeah, like, that adds up real yeah, fast. Yeah, it does know? absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think I think if you've played one of these before, you know what you're looking at. But this is a really well made one. It is. Like, so I far. was it's, pleasantly surprised by this, and I wouldn't even have played it unless you told you told me last last night. You're like, oh, I've been playing Ender Lilies, and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll give it a go. I've kind of been interested in it throughout its development cycle um and again i only got to play like 30 minutes of it before i had to mm-hmm. kind of get the show together i dig i dig it it's uh it's 25 bucks i think yeah. um and that feels about right uh at least maybe maybe 20 the quality level for me it feels yeah, right i don't know how solid. long it is but yeah I don't, neither do i but like it like visually it look and the music's great music's kind of like mostly sad piano so yeah. far um, <laughs> of course but it's solid. You know, the mythology of it's cool. Like you can see, this is the first main boss, uh, and she's got a really cool design for her. And you know, everybody everybody loves a nun with skeleton wings, right? <laughs> like that's. Let me jump forward to the boss fight so you can kind of see how it plays out, and I'll take down the graphic too so you guys can see it a little better. Because uh, the action's a little low yeah. on the screen in this game, and you get her. You know, when you defeat her, you get this her spirit, and so you get that little like ball and chain attack, which is really useful, and it does different things on the ground or in the air. Uh, that attack is also useful in the sense that it works underwater. Yeah. Um, and so when you get the ability to kind of swim and you know dive more, uh, that is going to be part of your bread and butter in in that area. Um, solid. It all works. Like I, I don't know if I'd call a lot of it like super exceptional, but like. If you want a good, if you want good Castlevania, uh, you're not gonna get one from Konami, and this, yeah. is, and this is about this. This fills the bill. I can see where people would watch this though and feel like the aesthetic is a little similar to Dark Souls. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a there's a Dark Souls uh, vibe to it, but it doesn't play. It doesn't use any of the gameplay mechanics of yeah, Dark Souls. No, at all. And definitely not of the punishing mechanics. No, where not at all. You lose everything if you die, and you have to. No, there's none of that. Yes. It just look. It just looks. It, has, it looks like it. A it little it's, bit. it hangs out in the same goth circle at the yeah. side of the playground <laughs> during recess for sure. But it's it not, got tickets to the Sisters of Mercy concert too. But yeah, yeah. But uh, but maybe it, maybe it got its stuff at Hot Topic. Yeah, more. <laughs> than, you know, it's like yeah. Instead of ordering it from like some magazine in Europe yeah. or whatever. 
Uh, but look, I played this for only 30 minutes. I really enjoyed it. I'm probably going to keep playing. Uh, that's yeah. partly a function of there's not a whole lot else to be playing right now. True. True, um, but, but this is uh, as these things go, it's definitely solid. And I, I found you know not that I have a problem with the pixel art stuff like that you get in stuff like Blasphemous or yeah. or Sundered or whatever. But like it was, re- it's real refreshing to play something that's like you know looks is drawn, that's hand drawn. Yeah, I love the art in this. Um, I love the, everything. I love the aesthetic in this in general. Yeah, similar to like Bloodstained or something. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's got it's got that that quality, the art quality to it is, yeah. is a, little, a little different, a little more like what I, you know, what I you know, remember is. In my head, it's what Castlevania looked like back <laughs> in the day. It's not what Castlevania looked like back in the day. Yeah. But, you know, you, you know what I'm trying to say there. I do. Um, but, yeah, Ender Lilies, it's pretty much available for everything. Seems to be on it. Yeah, it's on PC and all the consoles and just about everything. Yeah, I got it on Switch, so it's it's available for everything. Um, I did not play it in handheld mode, so I can't tell you whether or not it's, it's okay to yeah, play it in know. handheld mode. I would actually say play it on whatever you have the best D-pad on. Yeah, that's probably a good the, way to do the, the D-pad. I, I've been, I was or whichever to, D-pad you like the you most. You like the most, yeah. I, I've been playing it with the D-pad, and that is, I think, definitely the best way to go about it. I play almost all 2D games with the D-pad. Same. I hardly same. ever use an analog but stick it, to it, play can, 2D It can depend. Games. This one, I definitely switched to the D-pad. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how you play this. So yeah. whatever you like, whichever system or controller you have that you like the D-pad the best, uh, play it on that. Yeah. but um, Which, uh, for a lot of people, probably is a Switch, because the Switch does have a good D-pad. It does, Yeah. And especially on the uh, Pro Controller. Oh, yeah. Pro Controller is great. Yeah. D-pads, I mean, there really isn't a D-pad on the Joy-Con. No. <laughs> just four buttons, just buttons. Which I have still never really come to grips with using for Yeah. But if stuff. you have the Pro Controller, that would be good. I've been playing this on the Xbox of the Elite, and yeah. uh, that obviously has a good D-pad on it. Yep. Clicky, but good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. That is Ender Lilies. Again, it's available for pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. 25 bucks. Um, I haven't played it enough to tell you whether you should buy it or not, but Matt has played it a lot more than me. Um, I would say this. If what I saw at the beginning of the game holds up throughout the rest of the game, it's definitely worth 25 bucks, provided it's not like three hours long. Matt, how much time did you spend with it? With this? Yeah. Uh, I played like three hours. Okay. And did you feel like it was getting anywhere close to wrapping um, up or anything? No. Okay. No, I felt, I, feel like, I felt like I was like maybe a third through. Okay. Like if, I, I, I'd fought so an, nine, not, ten hours, something like that. Oh, that's what I guess. I mean, I don't know for sure. But it felt like I was closing in on a third, maybe, maybe you know, in sight of halfway through. That's, you know, in terms of just sort of how much the story had progressed and revealed about the world. Like that's what it felt like. Okay. Um, and again, it's available for everything. So if you what you saw piqued your interest or what we said piqued your interest, you can go pick it up right now. And again, July is not exactly bursting with great games. Mm. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Ghost of Tsushima. Um, recently, there was a PS5 upgrade released for Ghost of Tsushima, although we did not have a specific PlayStation 5 SKU. Mm-hmm. That is changing with Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut which comes with a lot more than just visual yeah. or just a frame rate upgrade. Um, actually, there's a lot of stuff coming with this, but I think what's caught most people's attention is the cost to upgrade. So it's $30 to upgrade on PlayStation 5 and $20 on PS4, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds right. You what you're getting is you're getting a new expansion to the game. Yeah. Um we don't know how long it is going to be yet. No, I would imagine it's kind of Assassin's Creed DLC length, or like uh, maybe even Frozen Wilds sort of length, which is decent. You know, it was probably like eight, eight, ten hours. But there's um, a new story chapter mm-hmm. that is taking place on the island of Iki, 
Am I saying that right? I think so. Is that right? I-K-I? Yeah. Iki. Yeah, that should be right. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I do the best that I can, people. Um, yeah, it takes place on Iki Island. In fact, I'm just going to bring up like the page that uh, Sucker Punch published for this. So it explains sort of like the plot of the Iki stuff pretty well. Um, also, transferring your progress on this shouldn't be too difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would def- I would probably start over. Would you? Well, I would probably New Game Plus it, but yeah. I would. I, would I, I mean, I finished the game, so I would just start a new game off of that. You don't have also to make like. It. I am excited. The thing I'm most excited. I mean, obviously, Iki Island is a big deal. Uh, the other thing I'm most excited about is they lip synced the Japanese dialogue. Yes. Um, I was surprised how much people cared about that, to be honest with you. I tried playing it in Japanese originally, and I just could not deal with the unsynced lips. Like, I just don't like, I don't like dubs like that. So I will definitely play this again with Japanese language on to now that the, the mouths match the dialogue. A lot of people were very happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently, if you're playing it right from the beginning for the first time, you don't have to finish the game to play the new Island of Iki content. Mm-hmm. There, you do have to play a little bit. There's like a certain point though where you'll be able to go to the the other island. Yeah, it seems like to. it just adds it to the world. Yeah, um, which is pretty cool. That's a pretty fun way of doing it. Um, and here, this is directly from the developers. If you're a history buff, you may know that it, that in addition to Tsushima, the neighboring island of Iki was also invaded during this time period. Today, we're revealing that a whole new chapter in Jin's journey is coming and will take place on Iki. In this new story, Jin travels to the island to investigate rumors of a Mongol presence, but soon he finds himself caught up in the events with deeply, per- deeply personal stakes that will force him to relive some traumatic moments from his past. And that's all that they've given so far. Um, other than... Um, there's a brand, the whole new story, obviously, new characters, uh, tons of new content, like brand new environments to explore, new armor for Jin, as well as his horse, new mini games, new techniques, new enemy types, and much more. There are even new animals to pet. Hmm. Yay. Um, and there'll be new trophies as well for this new content. Um, and then, as I said, like the, the thing that everyone's really freaking out about is the price. Hmm. So there's an upgrade for everybody that's going to be free, and that's obviously rolled into this as well. And I think that's launching on the same day. Mm-hmm. There's, like, quality of life stuff that's yeah. coming for everybody. And then, again, $30 to upgrade to PS5 if you have the base game and $20 to upgrade to the new content from PS4 if you have the base game. Mm-hmm. That seems a little steep for a, a story it, expansion. It, feel, it feels more like season pass price. Yeah. Like I would I would maybe like a second DLC right. out of that. But yeah. I also love this game yeah. to and death. I feel a lot of people are like so, you in, uh, in the same I, boat. I will kind of pay that to support it almost. Like, you know, um, I really, really like this. Even even having played it right off of right after Last of Us 2, which was, uh, you know, my game of the year, um, I, I took more screenshots of this game. Me too. Than <laughs> almost anything I've ever played in my life. Yeah, I mean, Maybe only No Man's you. Sky was more screenshots. Yeah. Um, this thing just takes my breath away every time yeah. i turn the corner it really it's, is amazing it is a gorgeous game i love that they how they handled it too they didn't try to like spruce it up with some weird like art style they're just like we're going to show you how beautiful this yeah. island is all on its own yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna go for it yep pretty realistic art style just they went they, i mean obviously they take some liberties with the lighting uh to give it a more dramatic yeah, yeah, thing yeah, they play yeah. with the color the sun's you know. a little low sometimes sure. like, and, and like you know sucker punch always uses color probably better than almost anyone else yep in the industry, maybe like, yeah. and they this was a, a clinic they put on in this yeah. thing. Like, just every river and stream and mountain pass was just p- 
picture gorgeous. It was ridiculous. Now the right. update that they posted before wasn't that just like a frame rate update? Yeah, it was a. It was. I think it was like a a performance kind yeah. of a quality performance thing. And I didn't. I didn't actually reload it because I don't have room in this system to install things just to look <laughs> at them. Like I don't. I, I hear you. Um, so the PS5 SKU is coming for seventy bucks. Mm-hmm. So if you're buying it for the first time and you want to buy it for PS5, it's going to cost you that new gen $70 price tag. Um, And then, as I said, the 2030 upgrade charge, depending on what platform you have, it is coming on August 20th. And then the uh, the only other new features, really, that are coming are a bunch of DualSense stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're getting haptic feedback. You're getting the adaptive triggers. Yeah, I mean, that'll be real cool with the sword fights. With like the, the bow the duels and, and stuff. stuff like that. It does make a significant difference when you're talking about that stuff. Um, so it could definitely add some value to the game or make it more enjoyable to play again. I will not be starting over from the beginning. <laughs> I will pick up my old save and uh, jump over to the island to play it. Um, I it does make me a little nervous that they're charging so much for this because I know the people who bought this game love this game and I know they're going to pay it and that makes me nervous because mm-hmm. that's going to send a big message to Sony that you know what this is totally fine to yeah, charge 30 I mean, bucks there, how many more games are they going to do that with really Last of Us God maybe. of War Last of Us they already did it the God of War yeah I'm saying the new one though they'll start doing deal they're, they're going to Look at this, and they'll. Oh no, I don't think so. I think this is. Uh, it's not just DLC. This is the upgrade as well. Like they they redid a lot of this. So I don't think that's quite on target. I think we're stuck with that seventy dollar price tag. My guess is one of the main reason that the the PS five one is thirty dollars, not twenty, is because they they want to keep that ten dollar next gen you know cost on there. Yeah. Um. So I th- I think I, mean, we're, I think, think we're funny, stuck though that like they're charging an extra ten dollars for the. Because, look, if you look at the quotient of it, $10, you know, if you look at the percentage of $60 is smallish. Mm-hmm. But $10, when you're talking about $20, that's like a third a third of the price increase. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like the max, the, the the expansion should have been $5 more on PS5 than 10 bucks. Like Sony gonna Sony. Again, but what I'm saying is this is setting a precedent, and they're testing the waters. When everybody buys it, and they're gonna, because the base game is awesome, and everyone who bought the base game absolutely loves it, that's how it's gonna go. That's how it's gonna roll from here on out. I think it was gonna roll that way no matter what. Like, they're, they're, you're not getting away. You don't think if they tried this with, like, Days Gone and nobody bought the DLC, it wouldn't have affected, no. like... I mean, no, they wouldn't have been dumb enough to try that with Days Gone. <laughs> like, you, you wouldn't, I'm you just using it as an example. Right, though. but you wouldn't do this with something that wasn't going to sell, is what I'm saying, and, and, and this was always going to sell. I mean, Days Gone did sell, just not in the way that a lot of Sony first-party stuff right. does. Also, it's not, it's not new enough to do that with at this point. Also, what would you do... Like, God, that game's long enough as it is. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, it is a bad example to bring up, but it was just low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I just, I don't think this is going to – this is what they're going to price this stuff at, and nothing is going to change that, and nothing ever would. That's what they chose. When they when they made their $70 choice, this is what we're in for. Which sucks. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot of money for an expansion, man. I mean, they could prove me wrong if it ends up being, like, half as long as the base game. Because that's basically what you're saying, right? If you're going to charge me $30 for content, that's half of the price of the Mm. base game. I feel like roughly this new content should give me about half of the playtime that I got from the base game. I mean, that's not how DLC works, really. But I mean, uh, pricing generally. 
you're gonna get it's a like, little more expensive, but I mean, you're gonna get like twenty bucks, fifteen to twenty bucks for something that's about eight hours long most of the time, like in a, in a Ubisoft game or something. Mm-hmm. That's not half the length of a Ubisoft game. Um, you know, you want you want like something around that length, I guess. And I, I'm I'm judging it by Frozen Wilds, which is like yeah, uh, you know, similar ads. You know, ads part of the map. You can just go there kind of when you get out of the starting area. Um, that's definitely more of an apples to apples comparison. Yeah, when, and that and Frozen Wilds. You know, Frozen Wilds probably took me like probably 12, 13 hours to do everything in it. Um, clearly, not everybody did everything in it, judging by how rare some of those hunting ground achievements are, uh, which I understand because those are not very fun to do. But um, I, f- I feel like you know, you give me ten hours out of this thing, and I'm happy with it. Um, it's not like it's not like you're you're short on content in this game anyway. It it, it did last a long time. Yeah, it's a pretty big game. Um, I feel like you are getting a better deal if you haven't played it before and you're just buying a seven the seventy dollar PS5 version and haven't and you're jumping in new. Uh, the thirty dollars on top of the uh, se- you know sixty bucks I already paid is is a little much, but I don't feel it that much. It was two it was a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, it was one of my favorite games. So yeah, if, I mean I'm really excited for this. Don't get me wrong. If this was not one of the I'm going to pay that, it and I'm yeah. going to play it. <laughs> I mean. Um, like I was a little less willing to pay that kind of money for the Breath of the Wild expansion yep. stuff because I didn't like it. And that game it ended much. up for good reason. Yeah, because they weren't true. great. And I think that will not be true here. I think this will be. I think Iki Island will be a fairly robust uh, piece of work. I do wonder why they spent so much time and money on just kind of the performance of it on PS5 because I don't think they did spend too much time and money on it. it was not a huge change. I mean if. Again, we could go back to their thing, but it, it sounds like they did do a lot of work on in it. In this, yeah, yeah, but not in that original patch. Yeah, I'm just wondering why. I mean, this game on a 4K TV running on PlayStation mm-hmm. 4 Pro is gobsmacking. Yeah, like, it, also, it doesn't even really have any load time. Right. Already. Like, I don't feel like they need, one, to spend time and money doing it, and to then put that on me to pay for it. Like, it mm-hmm. would look plenty good enough. I mean, again, because it will sell. Yeah. People Same will... reason why the new Switch is three hundred and fifty dollars, because people will pay it. That's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, I'm still really excited for it, regardless of how the pricing is handled. Mm-hmm. Um, the quality of the base game was so amazing. I can't. I'm not going to expect anything less from this. And I would rather have this mat than have to wait, however long for a sequel or whatever. Yeah. Um, because probably game- won't be too long. I mean, the, the rumors of the title are already flying around. Right. So. Yeah. Feel, I mean, feel, two years probably still. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we might we might get an announcement next year. Yeah. For a, for some a tease next year for something that comes out the next year maybe. Yeah. But um, this will be good enough to hold us over ho- hopefully until we get that sequel. Um, I wouldn't mind even seeing the studio work on something new. Um, I know a lot of people want to see a sequel to this right I away. Know, I think this this is new. This is yeah. this is new enough for me. I guess it is. Um, it just didn't sell as well as a lot of the other first party stuff. So sold quite well. It did. Also, it was a huge hit in Japan, so uh, uh, that's gonna that's gonna help. That might offset a little bit for sure. Uh, it was a big hit in Japan. Like yeah. they loved it, which is like some. I don't think Sony didn't quite expect that. I don't think because it's made by Westerners. Yeah, uh, and a lot of times Japanese audiences don't have a lot of use for a Western perspective on their history. Yeah. but for whatever reason, this thing caught fire it over did. there. Yeah, so, uh, that'll probably help it. The, the home office encourage more from it too. The problem is catching fire in Japan is right. Like, it doesn't really matter <laughs> it's anymore. So little, but I do think unless you switch, right? But I, I think it switch does matter there. in terms of you know Sony headquarters making decisions. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. So there you go. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut coming out on August 20th. 
$20 upgrade on PS4, $30 upgrade if you, for PS5, $70 if you're buying it brand new for PS5 the first time. And we will definitely talk about it when it comes out. We will come back to this game as soon as it's appropriate. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Konami and Silent Hill. <laughs> We've talked about it a few times in the last year. Yep. But most of it was based on the idea that Kojima was going to come back and work on Silent Hill, and then there was some other studio that had been working on the Silent Hill, and it didn't happen. Um, But now we've got more concrete details on what actually is happening with Silent Hill, and there's still some mystery involved as well. Um, But probably the most concrete information that we got this week is that the studio called Bloober Team is working on a new Silent Hill game in conjunction with Konami, and Matt, I cannot think of a better studio to work on Silent Hill than Bloober Team. Well, the Silent Hill community does not agree with you. Really? The Most of what I saw about this was Fury. Why? Because they don't do combat. What do you mean they don't do combat? Like they don't, they don't, the people don't think that they're up to making a Silent Hill game with like full combat and Silent Hill's combat has always been shit. Yes, but try telling them that. Um, I, I can't ever think of anything Silent Hill that played well. How about they haven't made a, a good? There hasn't been a good Silent Hill since the early two thousands. Yeah. So who cares? Like anything's a, anything is progress at yeah. this point. I think. Uh, and Bloober Team has done really good horror stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's all um, it's done. Listen, yeah. to, I mean, the lineup of games from Bloober Team. This one you're seeing right now is Observer. Mm-hmm. It's a psychological horror game. It did Blair Witch. It did The Medium, which is his most re- recent big release. Mm-hmm. I mean, Layers of Fear. It did layers of fear. Literally every game Bloober Team has ever done has been a horror game. Looking at this trailer, you you would be forgiven if you're like, oh, that may be a new Silent Hill game. Like, mm-hmm. it, they're, they are the wheelhouse for Silent Hill. Uh, overall, the response has not been positive. I, I was shocked I was a to hear that. By it, Who did they think should make it? Kojima. Ko- when has Kojima done good combat? That's a good question. Ever. Uh, yeah. Ever. Now you're in the weeds with it, with the, with the weird I'm shit. I'm in the truth yeah. is what I'm in. I don't know what the hell these people are yeah, talking but you're, about. You're down, in, you're down in the muck with the rest of the Silent Hill fans now, <laughs> right? Now, like, I, this, uh, you know, there's people out there that think Downpour doesn't suck at this point. Silent Hill isn't about combat. It's about atmosphere and mm. tension. The combat was always just like, I felt like they put it in there because they thought they had to, to make it, quote, right. unquote, a game. Well, because Resident Evil had it. So four right. horror games all had to happen yeah. at the time. It was always uh, the worst part of a Silent Hill game. And uh, well, except in the one that didn't have any combat, in which the worst part was the whole game, because Shattered Shattered Memories is garbage. I know that there's a the, the fans also that they hold Shattered Memories up as like one of the best things in the whole franchise. Oh, really? That we the Wii game. I cannot emphasize how much I despise that it's, piece of shit. It's the first three games, and just forget about the rest. Pretty much. I mean, that's pretty yeah. much. To me, the franchise in a sentence. Like, there's a, you know, it's not, you know, the room is fine. Uh, That's where it jumped the shark. Homecoming isn't garbage. uh, But overall, like, there's not much to recommend past three. I'm just wondering, people who are watching this show instead of just listening to it, what they've seen on their screen in the last five minutes that does, that says no Silent Hill. I don't know. It's I can't think of another developer better suited for Silent Hill. I, mean, I really can't. I don't know. Like the medium certainly felt like it could have been a sideways Silent Hill game. Right. So 
Absolutely. I mean, the medium is Silent Hill, isn't it? It's pretty close. I mean, it's, it's got a lot of the same ideas. It has, like, the dual realities, mm-hmm. the dead world and the alive world, and it plays... And executed on... it better than most Silent Hill games do. Yes, I feel like Bloober Team has been working its entire existence to make a Silent Hill game. Mm-hmm. Like, I... If they're know. not happy with this studio working on Silent Hill, they're never going to be happy about any studio. Ah, now you're getting it. That's really what it comes down to. Like, Unless you give them PT. Right. Which, like a 10-hour version of PT. Why? I don't know. The most boring demo I've played, and I don't yeah, know how uh, long. Like, I, I I liked it fine, but, like, the people hang on to that thing like it's something if there were special, and I don't get it at all. In it, and Kojima had nothing to do with it, it would have came sure. and gone just like any other first-person horror But it's game. just, it's, it w- I mean, it's fine, but, like, if you've already played the Stanley Parable, it's just that with the lights off. Yeah. You know, like, it was, I don't understand the PT I don't thing. I think it's just, like, the whole, it's like, it's like Firefly. It's like the Firefly fans who, like, will not get over the, that show. It's like, yeah, Firefly probably would have been really good by, like, season three. Yeah. But, like, we didn't get that. We got season one, which was fine. Yeah. And, like... You just won't let it go. I don't know. And that's the only thing I can really compare it to is like, I'm sure the potential was there, but it's, it's like gone. if I had never seen the medium and didn't know it existed, and someone pulled me into a room and said, Shane, watch this trailer and then tell me what franchise you think this is, I would have said Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. I think one of us might have even said that when they first showed this trailer in the, in yeah. the, in the press thing. Look, the fans can think whatever they want. This guy, who is not a fan, I do like the Silent Hill games, but it's not like one of my favorite franchises. This guy says this is a marriage made in heaven. As the as the lower third says, the perfect fit. I can't think. Of, I love horror games. I love horror. I cannot think of a better studio to handle Silent Hill than this one. I mean, is that, it would be either this or the the guys who made Layers of Fear would be that's my them. Two picks. They made Layers of them? Fear. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Every game they have made has led up to them making a new Silent Hill game. Mm. It's just been a natural progression. The Medium was really kind of their first like big budget game where they cared a little bit more about the presentation because a lot of their games in the past were first person horror games. It didn't have a lot of cinematics. Uh, they were just kind of like one of those games that lived and died based upon making you crawl, make your skin crawl, basically. But they weren't like presentation wise they weren't big budget games it's like the stuff happened in real time around you instead of having these elaborate pre-rendered cinematics that we've become so used to in many other games um so the medium to me was bloober team saying okay well we can do this too so now they put all the pieces together they're ready to make a game like silent hill so look we slag konami all the time on this show i slag konami all the time this is one time where konami did something good Finally. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's taken three years for this to happen. But finally, I feel like they – and here's the other part of it. The other part of the information is that there's another Silent Hill game also in development by a quote-unquote prominent Japanese developer. So it is possible, maybe, that the people who are all pissed off about this and want Kojima to make Silent Hill, he actually could still be working on it. It's possible. That would be a weird twist. But... It would be, but – what other prominent Japanese developer would you have on this? I don't know. Exactly. Somebody, well, out, of, somebody out of Capcom. Actually, but, uh, better question, name a prominent Japanese developer. Yeah, that's left. <laughs> that's left. That isn't a part of a publisher like Capcom or whatever already. Team Ninja? They're, they're exactly. Like, Team, maybe they are. Team Ninja Silent Hill would be something. That would be something. I guess they would have to worry about the combat sucking then, would they? No. <laughs> like Grasshopper? 
Then you would have to worry about the combat then you sucking. About, yeah, then <laughs> you got to lean into the combat sucking at that point. It's so bizarre, though, that they would be the combat would be the hill that they're going to die on. That's the main thing I've seen is that, oh, the combat will suck. And it's just like, well, combat has never been good in Silent Hill ever. No, like it's I mean, this thing that you combat had to do. combat in most horror games is terrible. Yes, like that's just how it works. Yeah, I don't so know it's why it's always worked. Yeah, even you uh, will never ever ever convince me Resident Evil combat in the old days wasn't garbage. Oh, it was like garbage. And you could argue that even the last two games, the combat wasn't terrible, but it no. could be better. I didn't like it. Yeah, like it, it could absolutely be better. So, yeah, I mean... I actually preferred Silent Hill back in the day because at least swinging a stick at something was more concrete. It's like, right. okay, I don't, have to, I don't have to rely on whether or not you agree that I'm pointing the gun at the same thing I think I'm pointing the gun at. I just need to swing the, swing the pipe and hit the, hit the dog. <laughs> so. I hear you. Um, look, I, I think regardless of whether you're pissed off that Bloober Team is going to do a Silent Hill game or not, this is good news. Oh, yeah, you'd think so. The like, franchise even isn't just, dead. Even just the fact that Konami is letting somebody do something yes, with their with damn IP. IP. Yes, be happy about this, people. Now somebody like, call, some, call somebody about Castlevania, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Bloober Team. I'd be cool with them doing Castlevania. Anybody, as long as somebody's doing something so these, these characters, these worlds aren't just disappearing before our eyes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what's happening with a lot of Konami's IP at this point, is they're just like, whatever. I mean, supposedly there is a Castlevania Advance collection coming. Yep, which so. is just ports of... Ports of the GBA games, but those are some of the those best are great Castlevanias. Games. So yeah, they're like, great, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, that's good. At least, again, it's back in the news cycle. Right, and like not leaving it to rot. Yeah, in, the, you know, in language. Bringing, bringing that stuff forward, you know, preserving those games is important, even if you don't want to do anything but make pachinko from now on. Yeah. So fans, like, don't go and, like, hassle Konami on Twitter or on their Facebook page and be like, ah, nah, nah, nah. let them make a freaking Silent Hill game. Like, let them do it. It's better than nothing. And it's definitely better than some of the other stuff Konami has done with its IP. It's a hell of a lot better than a pachinko machine, which hmm. is all we've been getting for Silent Hill for the last, like, five years. Let it go. Give Bloober Team a chance. Go play one of Bloober Team's games. If you have Game Pass, there are free Bloober Team games on there. I guarantee you, if you play one of its games, and I'm guessing, Matt, these people have never played one of Bloober's games, ever. They're probably like, oh, I don't remember combat being a no, so damn it, that's going to suck. Like, go play one of their games and then come back and yeah. say it's a bad idea. At the same time, the better than nothing thing rings a little false if you've played that Contra game. Which Contra game? The one that just came out oh. like last year. Oh, well, there's another one coming, too. Oh, they... good. <laughs> it's yeah. the one for mobile. Well, huh. Yeah. yeah. There's a mobile Konami one can definitely shit out something terrible that you'd rather that was worse than nothing at this on point. On mobile for but, sure. Yeah, the mo- mobile has become a dumping ground for Konami's IP. Well, that co- the Contra thing was was console. Was I also don't remember console. it for some reason. Well, yeah. probably because it was There's terrible. There's a good reason. It was terrible. It didn't look like Contra. What at was all. it called? I can't remember. Contra something. They just announced a new Contra mobile game like a week ago. Uh, when I was filling in for Vincent during curating, I remember that uh, it came through the feed. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so don't let Konami give it to some crappy mobile developer to make a mobile Silent Hill. Let them let Bloober Team make the game and go play a Bloober Team game because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Monster Hunter Stories 2. This is another game that I tackled in the grind this week, so this may be a little bit redundant for some of you guys who watched uh, Contra Rogue Core. I, what is that? That game does not even exist in my memory banks. I don't know. I don't know why either. Me either. 
Um, well, we're going to turn the page from silent the disappointment of Silent Hill fans to the pleasant surprise of Shane Satterfield hmm. from playing Monster Hunter Stories 2. Um, in fact, I would say this is one of the most pleasant surprises in games for me in quite some time. Um, most of you have probably played at this point at least one mainline Monster Hunter game, and you know what the formula is at this point. You play with friends, you go out, you slay big creatures, you collect a bunch of stuff, you come back to town, and you craft stuff from the stuff that you collected during your slaying adventures. Um, that is not really what Monster Hunter Stories 2 is at all. Although I would say the only element of the game that really is like the base Monster Hunter games is that you do have to kill specific enemies and get specific parts to come back and craft that specific armor. Mm. But the difference is you're not crafting like a helmet and greaves and chest armor. It's all just one set. So it'll say you want bone armor. You have to get the bones of these creatures or whatever. Once you create that, you're done. You're not. It's not granular. It's like a whole set of armor instead of having to do mm. each little part or whatever, which I appreciate. So it's not, you're not grinding the same enemies over and over again to get right. 15 skins of right. the, this thing. To, yeah. Yep. You still have to do a little bit. Right. But it's not like it's not going to take you a week to build a suit of armor. No, basically. not at all. Uh, a full suit. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, and it, the, and, but the biggest departure, really, is it's a turn-based RPG. Monster Hunter mainline series, action RPG. You're out there hacking and rolling, and you know, you're out there with a bunch of people. This is a single-player, turn-based RPG. And some people who are Monster Hunter fans may think that that's a terrible idea. I do not think it's a terrible idea. I enjoyed the combat in this a lot because it is something different. Now, in the case of Full Disclosure... I don't even remember how much I played of the original Monster Hunter stories. It was a 3DS exclusive when it released. I don't even know if I played it now that I think back I at definitely all. didn't. Because I don't remember much about it. So if I did play it, I did not play that much. So everything I'm going to say could be in the first Monster Hunter stories that I would not know. So please pardon me if what I say is a part of the original franchise. But the combat in this game, Matt, is crazy. Like the turn-based stuff in this is really deep, really different with how they handle the systems. Every fight starts off with a charge where the two enemies charge at each other. And basically there's a, at the base of the combat is a rock, paper, scissors system where you have three different attack types. You have speed, you have strength, and you have technical. And they're all on a wheel. And so you know which one trumps the other one, mm. so to speak. Um, and so in that first attack, and if you're facing an enemy for the first time, you don't, you don't know what their preferred attack type is. You're kind of rolling the dice. So... Say I look at it as a big creature, I'm like, it's probably going to be power. So I would choose speed. And they do this initial rush at each other where they literally run at each other. And whoever has chosen well wins that skirmish and then gets the initiative to start the fight. Um, so that's pretty cool. There, The other elements that make it different from a lot of other turn-based RPGs is you have a mount. But that mount isn't just something you ride around out in the open world, which you do in this game. Mm -hmm. Although it's not really an open world. They're kind of like big areas and then you'll get to a point and it'll load. But some of the areas are pretty big. And you can use the mounts to get around all over. And there's traversal stuff for the mounts, too. So the mounts in this game are called Monsties instead of just monsters. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, but you collect them by invading monster dens, stealing an egg, and then taking it back to the village and hatching it in the stable. Um, and then the each egg has different rarities and the genetics in it are different. You don't know what you're going to get until you hatch it, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, but you, by the time I finished this demo, I had like eight different monsties in my stable, so to speak. And some of them have very specific abilities. Like the one that you get to start the game can jump. And so you'll find these little stone pads like located around the world. You can get your monstie on it, hit the jump button, and they'll automatically like jump up to like other levels or whatever. There's another one that can climb vines. And so you'll find these vines hanging down. Until you get the monster that can climb the vines, you can't climb the vines. It almost has a little bit of like a Metroid kind of locking mm-hmm. system in the world. But in combat, the monsties act as a. Sep- I'm gonna need you to stop saying monster. What do you like, want me to say? Monster. Monster. Uh, something okay. like it sounds like something that I'd get out of like a hostess. <laughs> or it sounds like a hostess cupcake for yeah. Halloween, like a special edition thing that they yeah, make for like, Halloween. Like green frosted yeah. monsties. Or I'll just use mount. Yeah. There you so go. the mounts. Are a party member in combat. I don't know why I hate that word so much, but I really do. (laughs) Okay. The mounts are a party member in combat, but also you can build basically a synergy meter between you and the mount, and you can jump on the mount in the middle of combat and then do a special powered-up attack. Not only that, if you have another human character along with you that also has their mount with them, they they and their mount attack separately, so you're like a four-party or four-member party. But they will also jump on their mount. And then if you synergize you jumping on the mount with the other human jumping on their mount, then you can synergize those attacks together into these, like, earth-shattering, like, crazy, like, almost borderline, like, Final Fantasy VII summon attacks. Hmm. Um, So there's a lot of depth to the combat. And then, of course, there's status effects. Um, You know, some of them will poison you. Some of them will set you on fire. You have to deal with that stuff as well. But the other part of the combat that actually makes a big difference compared to other games is breaking parts of the creatures. Mm. So some of them will come into battle with no parts. But in the middle of battle, they'll, like, gather up earth and hold, like, a rock in front of them. Some of them just have, like, a really tough, like, helmet or tail. and Or maybe the tail is what the poison comes from. And you want to just get rid of the poison. So you can specifically choose which part of the creature you want to attack. So if you figure out... This creature poisons me with his tail every time I fight him. When you start fighting him, just go after the tail at first so you can get rid of that status effect right away. There's just a lot of depth and strategy to the combat without it being a strategy RPG. There's no, like, um, positioning elements where, like, if I flank or whatever, like, that stuff's all irrelevant. You're just basically fighting head-to-head. And then there are these moments where your, your mount and the creature will charge each other instead of you charging, and you do, like, a quick time event where you have to mash the button as hard as you can to, like, force... That's a little goofy to force a character off the screen. And then, again, if you win that, you get initiative. But the rest of the combat system, I really liked. Uh, the story, you are on an island. You have this guardian creature who's been looking over your island for eons or whatever. Um, you go to visit it, and this crazy kerfuffle breaks out where there's these guys from another land who are there trying to kill the creature there's this strange like elven looking character there that's like interacting with the creature as it turns out some something has happened and all the creatures and all the lands have be, have gone rogue um the creature flies away from the island and leaves you an egg hmm. and you could pretty much fill in the blanks of what's going to happen with the egg um at least i did and so that's kind of the mystery behind the whole thing. These other people have come to the island. They're looking for these rogue creatures because they're afraid that they're going to come to their lands. And you want to save the creature that's been protecting your land all the time. And there's a confrontation between you and these other people. 
and you are the young upstart. You're the grandson of this person who used to live in the village that was like a legend. And so everybody's like, ooh, you're the grandson of blah, blah, blah. You must be special. And obviously, as it turned out, you are. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> exactly. And so that's sort of the base of, basis of the plot. There's a demo right now on Switch, and I think there's a demo on PC now as well. When I first played it, it was only available for Switch. Um, and it's long. Like, I finished it finally, and it took me like three hours to finish the demo. The progress does carry over to the final game. Um, the demo ends on like a big cliffhanger, like what I thought the game was going to be when I was playing the demo. At the end of the demo, it basically proves me wrong. Um, and it appears that, I don't want to ruin too much, but I'll just say that the game goes beyond the island. You're not mm. going to be stuck on just this island the whole time. Um, so it appears to be a vast world. The the mounts, the monsties, Matt. <laughs> They're all different, and they all have their different attacks and their attributes, and they all have their different special attacks, and they level up over time. You can have, like, five or six mounts in your party at all times. They don't have to be in the active party. You can have the one that you ride, and whatever you ride is what you take into combat with you, but even the ones that are just in your party will level up as you play, and they earn new attacks and new abilities and et cetera, et cetera. I was pleasantly surprised by this game. I got totally hooked on it and wanted to keep playing. The writing is good. The Japanese part of it isn't offensive. Like, there's some grunts here and there. <laughs> but, like, the writing is excellent. The voice acting is excellent. Now, I will say this. It does seem that the facial animation is done for the Japanese dub and not for the English dub. So there's some times where the the vocals don't match the facial animation. Um, but other than that, man, I had a really good time with it. I love the art. Frame rate, mm-hmm. it gets pretty bad at times, honestly. I mean, it's the Switch. So. It is. And it does appear that maybe this one was built for the PC first, since there's also mm-hmm. a PC version, and they're trying to get it to work on Switch. But there were definitely some times where it buckled, like down to like 15 frames per second. But it's a turn-based RPG. Frame rates are never going to hurt the gameplay. It's just going to hurt it aesthetically. Um, and the, look, there are no random encounters. You can see every creature in the world. Um, and there are advantages if you can sneak up behind them and attack from behind and kind of initiate it. You get the first attack. If they attack you from behind, they get first attack. That's all RPG, turn-based RPG tropes. Uh, but they're also prevalent here. Um, I just really enjoyed the world. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the combat. Um, I enjoyed the the monster-raising stuff because it's not crazy demanding. It's not like mm. you're constantly going to the stables and, like, giving them like food to turn them into a certain kind of creature. It's like they are who they are and they level up naturally just through using them in combat. So it's not like this crazy min-max thing that you're trying to do with your mounts to make sure that you have the best mount because you can't just use one mount anyway. You have to constantly cycle through them when you're out in the overworld just to do the traversal stuff, switching between like the one that can jump with the rocks and the one that can climb the vines, blah, blah, blah. Um, So that game is also coming very soon. It's coming Friday, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. For both PC and Switch, like, like I said, there's a demo of it right now on the Switch eShop and I believe on PC, and that is plenty to let you know whether you're going to want to play it yourself or not. I highly recommend playing it, particularly right now, July slow. There's not a lot of games coming out. This could potentially be, like, the fact that they gave us three hours of the game probably portends to the fact that the game itself is going to be pretty big. Mm-hmm. If the game was 12 or 15 hours, they're not going to give you three hours of it for free. They're just not. 
Um, and to keep in mind, like I said earlier, your saves do carry over to the final game. So whatever time you spend on this demo is actually going to be worth it. The demo is just the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. It just starts you at the beginning with the opening cinematic, and then you just play and kind of learn all the systems and all the different stuff. Um, the hub area is a little... It's a little slim compared to some turn-based RPGs. Um, you basically just go back there to... So it sounds ha- like it's just like basically the prologue hub. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it probably is. So there may be another hub that you get later on. It's far more robust. The one that I was in, it just had the stable where you go to hatch the eggs, and really you do nothing else there other than choose which mounts are in your party. That's where you do that. And then there's a, a quest board there for side quests. Mm-hmm. And uh, the side quests, here's one thing I love about it. You can solve a side quest. You don't have to go find some person somewhere where you forgot where they were. You can just go to the quest board. And if you have all the stuff you need to satisfy the quest, you can satisfy it right there and get your reward for it right there. And then there's also an arena battle option at that quest board. And other than that, there's not a whole lot of reason to go back. Um, And I would argue that the mainline Monster Hunter games, the the hubs there are far more functional and interactive than what you get here. Uh, But I've really enjoyed my time with it. When the demo ended, I was disappointed. It also ends at like a very important, poignant moment, um, and they were smart with how they end it because it made me want to play the full game. So, uh, Monster Hunter Stories Two again coming this Friday to Switch and PC. Matt, you think you're going to play it? Yeah, I think I'll at least try the demo. Okay. I think uh, I already downloaded the demo. I just haven't had time to play it. Okay. Then we'll definitely be talking about it uh, next week on Game Face right here at Twitch.tv/SiftedGames. All right, it's time to move on to the last topic of Game Face 262, and that is Scarlet Nexus. This is a game that Matt has continued playing. Mm. I have not continued playing. We just talked about this game, like, right before E3. Yeah. Because they also put put out a huge demo. That game had a huge demo as well. We're all... Didn't the... Did the stuff carry over for that, too? No, but you got special items in the main game if you finished both both sides of the demo. Did it work? Yeah, I got all the stuff. You got all your stuff? Yeah. Cool. Um, so Matt has played the final version. I have not. That mm-hmm. might be something that I dive into this weekend. We'll see. Um, if I'm not playing Monster Hunter Stories 2. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, since we have discussed it at length already, maybe we should just frame this discussion around what have you learned or discovered about this game that we did not mm-hmm. see or discover from the demo? Um, I'd say the main thing is, uh, I guess, two main things. First, uh, there's a lot more story than I maybe expected because there were were cut scenes obviously in the demo and and a lot of dialogue and stuff Um, but I didn't fully expect how story driven the game was going to be like the the characters and and everybody's relationship with each other is very strong uh, very very a a keystone of the whole thing there is a like a persona style bond system where you go through little cut scenes and little little side missions with the various characters and that levels them you know it's not just like it's not just leveling them up by using them, like you know, because you have the system where they're on your team and you can activate their power to like you know help you against certain enemies that are that are weak to their abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, that will like develop a bond, but you have to go do like kind of a basically a date with them in a sense. Interesting. Uh, and eventually, you can start giving them gifts. Um, there's a whole system like there's all like sections where the whole thing slows down and just becomes like a social interaction thing. Uh, and then also, like, there's a lot of scenes out in the city and out running around without combat. Like, it's a it's a much more full-fledged action RPG than I expected it to be for whatever reason. Like, I was kind of expecting more of a Devil May Cry. Even after of, playing the demo, that's what I thought yeah, it was like, going to be. Do, do missions, yeah. see, see upgrade screen, jump to next mission, get quick cutscene mission again. It's not like that at all. It's, it's a... 
it's a full like run around the city, talk to people, get side quests, go find stuff, come back, you know, come back from specific like I mean they reuse the same environments a lot when you go do these missions, but like you come back and get things like get little special things and like you can, you find uh one thing I was wondering about was um when you go through the demo you will find um basically like like information about the environment, like little like glowing things like you Are they up. like eco like no, like they're basically information. Global about, warming. No, they're like information about the location you're at. Oh, okay, got and you. And like, you can basically go back to this. Eventually, it unlocks the ability to go back and take that stuff to the store and trade them for items you can only get for trade. So like, you'll get like one item. It's like, oh, for this you need this information from this place and this information from this place and this rare item you get from from a, an enemy that drops stuff. And the, and of course, the way to get the rare stuff that drops from them. Is you know you have the when you knock down their stamina enough, you get the you know left trigger thing. You can yep. do the the finisher that always guarantees they drop an item and usually ups the rarity of the item. So if you like get a lot of good, uh, you know if you can knock their stamina down, which is you know pretty useful. Your psychokinesis does that, and also using their weak spot uh, does that. You can like gather the items pretty quickly. I had a lot of the items I needed to trade in like when I when that system first unlocked. Okay. Um, so the progression on that's pretty good. There's a whole uh, skill tree. In it, um, every time you level up, you uh, you get some points to go put in the skill tree, and like that goes from as far as like um, extending your basic combo, like out to like seven or eight hits, to uh, doubling the size of your psychokinesis meter, which changes the game a lot because you can throw stuff around a lot more without worrying about running out of, out of juice. Um, double jumps, midair dashes, um, you can and, you know you can do. And I haven't seen any any point so far where I need to be able to do those things. But especially playing as him, uh, uh, whatever his name is, U- Uita, I think is his name. Um, his close quarters stuff, like the extra mobility, is a, is a big plus. Um, so most of the most of the upgrades have felt pretty meaningful in that regard. Um, I haven't dug into sort of the the item upgrade stuff because I haven't really found anything yet that was a huge improvement from what I already had. Uh, the various um, abilities you can borrow from the other teammates are still cool and like kind of you know, very situational. There are upgrades you can get in the skill tree that let you activate two at once. Really? Uh, and in How the, does think, that work? Uh, you just hit both buttons, and you can do both lightning and slow time or, or be invisible and have pyrokinesis active and stuff like that. Can you do like lightning and fire? Like uh, so far, I haven't had both of those characters in a team okay. at the same time. But gotcha. I, in theory, I suppose you could. Um but because uh, the game does have like a pretty strong elemental angle to it, yeah. as far as like yeah, learning they, what enemies are aligned with what yeah. elements, and if they would let you, you'd like fire off three elements at once, it would kind of take all that away, right? Yeah, but you'd run out of juice real fast on them. That's true. Um, yeah. and of course, as you develop your bond with uh, each character, you get more abilities with them, and their um, the main bonus is that their their meter runs down slower and recovers faster. Uh, that's really the key, and and like the demo, the demo tells you that. I think if you if you play the demo through with both characters, you will kind of learn it uh, as a matter of survival. But like, you know, early on, I see a lot of people just being like, "Oh, I keep running out of juice on the on the sink stuff," and I and by the time I get to the next fight, I don't have any fire pyrokinesis left. Well, you got to deactivate it every time you're not using it. You should not have it on, like. You That's should, hard to remember. It is, but it, in, it, in, it, when you're playing action, it games. becomes second nature, and also like there, the shortcut is because you you hold a uh, right bumper and hit whatever face button that corresponds to what you want to yeah. borrow. I'll take down the graphics so people can see it there. Yeah, right. You can see that. See in the bottom but, right there. That's the modifiers for hitting yeah. RB. 
And by the way, when you do this mission in the actual game, which is about probably like 30 minutes into the game, uh, you do not have all these characters. Yeah, I'm, I'm betting you don't. You yeah. probably have you, one, right? You yeah, you only have the pyrokinesis <laughs> girl. Um, and then eventually you're introduced to these other characters and they teach you how to use all those other things slowly. Yeah, just so you um, know, those are, those powers in the bottom right we're talking about are powers that you borrow from other characters in your yeah. party. And then when you're done using them, um, you hold R, R, you can hold right bumper and hit the button of the power you're using to deactivate it, or you can just click R3 while holding, and you'll deactivate anything you're using. Okay. So that's actually faster. That's a pro tip, though, to remember to turn it off when you're yeah. done using it. Definitely remember to turn things off. Um, other than that, like I, I feel like you kind of understand what you're getting if you played the demo. What about um, the story? Because the demo didn't really dive too right. much into the story, and there's this weird like like paparazzi angle to it, right. where like the press is showing up to stuff. Yeah. Like, well, how does that all work now? So that's still kind of developing at this point in the game. I'm like six hours in. Okay. Um, there's definitely an antagonistic relationship between the uh the soldiers and the and the the crows they call them the mm-hmm. the the uh the press uh there's already been a thing where one of the girls during uh, the crows the, the drone cameras showed up during a fight and she just destroyed them all and so they're like oh you're not supposed to do that she's like well i guess i thought they were others i thought they were monsters so just back me up on that and we'll, you know that's better than having to deal with this shit interesting so, so there's so some of that's going on uh, Yuita is a um, is the son of he's the son of like the head of the whole human civilization or the whole country or something, and his older brother is the head of the organization he just joined. Uh, so like he's considered sort of royalty. Um, like he, uh, everybody assumes he's just sort of there because daddy got him there. Uh-huh. Uh, where the, the truth is that his father didn't want him to join the this organization at all. Um, but, uh, so, but, but he, yeah, so everybody assumes he's sort of like a silver spoon kid and then the press is obsessed with him because, you know, he's, he's the son of this big, big deal guy. Mm-hmm. So like, then he gets a lot of attention and has to keep being like, oh no, you should talk to my commanding officer. And so like, uh, and then the command, the, the head of the whole OSF, uh, thinks like he's got big potential. And so like a lot of the other, all the other new recruits are just like, oh, what makes him so special? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's there's a lot of that kind of thing going on, um, and one of the you know it's it's uh, the one thing I'm surprised by is how not annoyed by the story I am, because usually this kind of anime you know team kids in a Attack on Titan ish sort of yeah. situation is just, I just find it annoying, but um, especially when they do like a mystery thing because there is a whole like thing where you're try- they're trying to piece together like who the mystery like the the girl uh, that you can play as, um, so I'm playing as as him. And uh, he, he, when he was a boy, uh, he was almost killed by the others, by these monsters. And he was rescued by an OSF uh, soldier who looked exactly like the girl you can play as. Oh, okay. And so he's trying to figure out why, if she's related to someone, whoever did that, or what's going on there. She is very standoffish and doesn't care about anything like that. Uh, so there's sort of a tension on that. But one of the things that I think is, is better is, like, a lot of times when you get, like, kind of the, oh, nobody really knows what's going on. You have to figure out what the, what the backstory is and everything in these anime stories. Uh, all the characters already know what's happening. <laughs> and just and the, the, just the audience doesn't know yeah, yeah. because everyone's very Japanese about it, will not talk about it because it's embarrassing, right? Right. And then eventually some big crisis happens and everyone's forced to talk about it. And then the, the revelation is inevitably disappointing. Um, <laughs> in this, the things that people don't – people are trying to figure out like, the mysteries are things the characters actually don't know either so it doesn't feel quite so much like they're trying to convince the audience that there's something interesting happening right. the characters are interested
interested, so I am more interested. I'm pretty sure I know what's happening, but I don't mind the slow burn so far. In part because, like, they you know, early on they're sort of like you're a new cadet and you just joined the thing and you're doing a lot of odd jobs and missions and so want to figure things out and you know establishing a hideout and like a safe house kind of thing and that's where you do your sort of social stuff there's a lot more to it than i expected i guess i would say does the storytelling become a little more like overt over time because like most of it's been like from what i played in the demo it's all like just kind of like text bubbles and headshots and um are there cinematics that move the story forward i mean it's i'd say it's like two-thirds voiced text with the moving heads like talking heads and like one-third actual cutscene. okay um it kind of depends on what's happening. Like more important stuff tends to get full cutscene, or action stuff it gets more full cutscene. Makes sense. Um, hasn't been a ton of it yet. What about uh, enemy variety? That was my other concern af- after playing the demo. It, I felt like I was starting to hack the same enemies over and over again. I mean, that is still in place uh, because we're, we haven't really moved out of a lot of the early starting zones. Like it, it's a slow burn. Like okay. these games tend to be slow burns, and, and like. So do you think it's gonna be a big game? Uh, it seems to be so far. I don't, I don't feel like I'm really past like a like a first act element here yet. Like it it, it still feels like a sort of unfolding. Um, now I could be wrong about that because sometimes this stuff is paced real weird, but uh, so far it feels like it's really kind of taking its time figuring out where it's going. Um, and certainly I expect certain characters to do certain things they haven't done yet. Like there's not a lot of subtly subtly in the telegraphing of like a. Of like who we you know there's one character like oh you're gonna betray us and you're gonna do something stupid that allows him to to, to betray us and you are gonna do something dumb that makes me do something that uh, gets puts me in danger and that's gonna it's 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 not um, the most inventive you know if you've ever seen a team based anime story before you kind of know where a lot of these uh, tropes are going yeah but that doesn't necessarily make it bad I like, get you know and and the the combat is fun I enjoy. The fighting. I do think if you're expecting something like on a Devil May Cry level, you are going to be disappointed. It's not that complex. It's actually it is that complex. It's not that deep. Okay. I guess would be the way I'd say it. Um, I feel like you can get through this just fine, sort of knowing the basics and not pulling. You're not going to be pulling off super crazy combos and stuff like that. But you can do really satisfying stuff by mixing your telekinetic attacks in with your combos and following those up with more of a combo upgrading the number of follow-up hits you can do in the in the tree like you know, i understand what you're more... saying it's like there's a lot of buttons in this yeah. game but they're not complex like yeah. sequences that you need to tap out in like yeah you're using a all of a you're using everything on the controller but you're not really stringing together 40 hit combos yeah, or anything yeah, yeah. Okay. i i get it i get what you're saying um and i think for most people that probably is preferred um, yeah, I mean, I certainly don't want to sit down and have to learn a whole fighting game over again just to play this thing. Yeah. Uh, but so far, it is a is an entirely pleasant experience. Uh, actually, one of the best, most pleasant surprises, I think, of the year so far. Wow. I really did not expect to, like, I, th- I thought... That's the, two pleasant surprises in one episode yeah, I, of I, Game I thought this, there's, the, there's the skill tree there. Yeah. I thought I was going to bounce, basically bounce off this, like, kind of the way I would, I did, like, Astral Chain yeah. or something, but I I was surprised I haven't. you didn't play Astral Chain more. I really didn't like the system in that. Interesting. Just, I did. It, I had no no interest in it. Like for whatever reason, I just found it like not interesting. This I find the mixing in of the telekinetic attacks and the switching through the different elemental things and borrowing other people's powers like that keeps it varied enough that I am still interested in in what we're doing like moment to moment in the combat. Well, one thing I would say the difference between the two is that the special mechanics in Astral Chain 
I would argue, actually slow down the combat. Yeah, that's true. Whereas in this game, they're more seamless. Yeah. They just happen in the normal flow of combat. Yeah, and if you're doing it right in this game, uh, you are wrecking house. Like, it it is... uh, it gets shit done. I felt in, like in it became hurry. easier the more I played the demo, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Once, you, especially once you kind of know the ins and outs of all of it, you see even there, and you can get like uh, extra skills that like do tons more damage when they're when they're on the ground. Yep. So uh, you do have a little variety in terms of what how you're allowed to fight everybody, um, but obviously that also kind of ties in with you know, what type of enemy you're fighting. Yeah. Um, the ones where you have to turn invisible are actually really annoying. I hate those um, enemies, and they were in the demo, and it drove me bonkers. Yeah. 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 Uh, so there's not too many. Not, you don't run into that too often, but when you do, uh, you you know it because that character's in the party, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know they're coming. It's like if she's this person in my party, I'm yeah, gonna I mean, need to. You're use not her here. Ability. All you do is turn invisible, <laughs> so I know that this is this is happening. Uh, anything else you want to add? Not really. I mean, uh, like all I'd say is like uh, like I don't think this was like this is gonna be ain't gonna be my game of the year or anything. Yeah. But like. Uh, it's worth it lo- picking up. I think so. If it looks, at the very least, try the demo. Like, don't just dismiss this as another anime. Is game. it still there now that the game's I out? I don't know. I actually, they may don't have know. taken it down. Uh, which would be dumb. It would be dumb because but, it couldn't uh, get people to, to buy it. Yeah, but I, I I was pleasantly surprised by this in a way I didn't expect to be. Um, uh, and I'm usually very dismissive of this kind of like you know sci-fi psychic supernatural anime <laughs> I think crap. Mark, Marcus Beer would call it wank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's about right. Um, but it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't have that that veneer of irritation for me. <laughs> the for whatever veneer reason. of irritation. That's the that's the name of my out from the album <laughs> of the next band I create. That's what it's the first album is going to be called the veneer of irritation. Uh, so is this. Um, is this seventy bucks or sixty bucks? Uh, I believe it's sixty. Sixty. Okay. Unless you want like the super duper ad stuff version, which I think is seventy. Okay. So Bandai Namco has not jumped or on 80, the seventy dollar train yet. Uh, no, but also I got this on Xbox, so maybe it is seventy bucks on uh, PS Five. I don't oh, know. Oh, that would be dastardly. I have no idea. I didn't. Look, I really didn't look dastardly. at it on PS Five. Well, it is funny. Like when this game was first shown, was it shown at the Xbox Xbox event, right? Uh yeah. yeah yeah it felt like this was supposed to be like an Xbox exclusive but yeah it, it wasn't it, it, it never was yeah because yeah. it popped up last yeah last year on the thing it was it felt like they were trying to like yeah it seemed like this was gonna have be like a timed exclusive on Xbox Series and as it turns out yeah, they did they made kind of a big deal about revealing it yeah yeah it was at like the debut mm-hmm. presentation and whatnot mm-hmm. and then it just like one of the few Japanese time. games that yeah. really looked like it was a Japanese actually game. next gen and yeah. looked very Japanese yeah so there you go. That's Scarlet Nexus. It's available for Xbox, PlayStation, PC, no Switch, obviously. No, I couldn't run that. What about Stadia? Do you know? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. Probably not. I know the answer. Who cares? <laughs> that's that's actually a pretty good answer. Um, I mean, I enjoyed the demo. When we talked about it before, I think we were both pleasantly surprised back then. Yeah. At how much we enjoyed it. And hopefully that demo is still out there, and you guys can give it a go before you decide to buy or not buy um, it's been out now for what a week and a half, is that right? Two uh, weeks, yeah, yeah, because I got it before I before we I departed. Left. Yeah, yep. So it's out there, and uh, Matt, you would say probably yeah, buy it. Leaning towards yes. yeah. I mean, if if you if it looks interesting to you, uh, I would say give it a shot. Okay. Hopefully that demo is still out there because that would be a, a really nice tool to have. Yep. Okay, so there you go, the Scarlet but, Nexus. But since it did have the import thing, I feel like maybe it uh, it isn't there. 
because you're supposed to finish the demo so you could import oh, the, right. import the save to get the the bonus items. Right. So maybe it isn't there anymore. Yeah. Well, it is fun. I, I enjoyed would, it. I would imagine. I don't. It, my big concerns were enemy variety. Because I enjoyed yeah. the combat, but I was like, man, I feel like I'm fighting these same dudes like over and over they, again. I mean, they do repeat here and there, but they do get different abilities. Um, so you you run in like that Some kind wrinkles. of four legged version, you know, four legged type, but they do different things. They have slightly different things on their faces, and so you know that one's going to shoot electricity or create like lava or whatever. Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay. All right, there you go. That's Scarlet Nexus. We are ready for all jam rain, making it rain in here. Actually, before we go on to our sponsor video and we get into Q&A, Johnny Hurricane, thank you for Twitch Prime. Um, I should bring up that JM Rain hooked us up with Pactor's PS5. Hmm. He, he, the last show, he was in chat saying, hey, DM me. As it turns out, he got a PS5. I paid him for it, shipped it directly to me. Pactor got a PlayStation 5 thanks to JM Rain. So, J.M. Rain, not only are you hooking everybody up with Tier 1 gifted subs right now in our chat, you also hooked up Pactor with his PlayStation 5. He is very, very happy about that. Um, he even tried to convince me to actually sell it on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, don't give it to me. He's like, you can make so much money off of that thing. I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. I've been trying to get you a PS5 for six months. This is yours. Take it. So anyway, thanks to Jam Rain for hooking us up with that. Really, really appreciate it. We're going to do some Q&A. Get your questions in the chat right now. Go at Sifted Games. That way we can pluck them out from all the people who are giving us Twitch Prime and all that kind of stuff. Derek D111, thank you, brother. Um, but anyway, get your questions in at Sifted Games. But first, a word from our sponsor. It's time to find out why everyone is buying homes in Montana. The Shazer Ryan Realty has a totally remodeled four-bedroom, three-bath home for sale in Libby, Montana. Nestled next to the mountains on Libby Creek, this split-level home features almost 3,300 square feet of living space and includes a fully finished basement, a two-car garage, a barn, a shop, and much more. There's a covered back porch just off the kitchen, so you can enjoy your morning coffee the way nature intended. At $479.9, it's an absolute steal. They're selling homes as fast as they can list them. So if you're interested, do not hesitate to call Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643. Even if you don't live in Montana, you can contact the professionals at DeShazer Ryan Realty, and they can help you with property in your area. For more, head to DeShazerRyanRealty.com. That's DeShazerRyanRealty.com. All right, once again, thanks to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring our coverage of E3 and a month of coverage for Game Face. Sneaky, uh, sneaky, Charlotte Schnee claims that he's not a troll um, and he's not looking for shout outs. He said that you mistook his question. He says, I love Insomniac. They have, they have and are my all time favorite game series and the reason I bought a PS5. Okay, gotcha. I'm not sure what that would be, though, because he doesn't like Ratchet. Yeah, I don't either. Spider-Man? <laughs> I guess, maybe. He must be a big Spidey fan. Um, hope the holidays were good. I actually did not have a holiday. Yeah. I've still not had any time off. I don't know how I'm still sane, to be honest with you. Uh, next, from El Guapo3385, at the halfway point of the year, what's your top game so far? I love both Returnal and Little Nightmares 2 as my top contenders. Interesting. Not sure if they'll make it uh, the year end, however... Hmm, Little Nightmares 2. Maybe I should give that more time than mm. I gave it. I liked it, but... Yeah, I didn't play it yet. It was... 
I don't know. It's one of those linear games where you got to figure stuff out in a very exact order. Mm-hmm. And I, I like those games. It's hard for me to give games like that game of the year for whatever mm-hmm. reason at this point. I mean, the answer life. is Ratchet. Yeah. So far, it's so far. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's really close. No. Returnal is close. Yeah, it's up there. It's close. Um, if I was a bigger fan of roguelikes, I probably mm-hmm. would. It would be a really tough decision. Yeah. But that's not my wheelhouse. Um, I really enjoyed it. And for the fact that I enjoyed it at all is a big deal, mm-hmm. being a roguelike. Because I hardly ever play them. Yeah. Um, so it did kind of transcend a genre that I normally don't resonate with all that much. But still, um, I, it's the craftsmanship in Ratchet and Clank. It's going to be hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's six months for somebody to do it. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, like the other contender would not be a contender because it's Mass Effect. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Totally. Um, but there are other good games coming out before yeah. the end of the year. There There's are going to be some con- contenders, but hopefully yeah, I, Horizon makes it. That's a big, uh, that's a big contender for me. Yeah, but I think for both of us, it's Ratchet right now. Dying um, Light, Dying Light could surprise at the mm-hmm. end of the year for sure. Uh, so there's some stuff coming that could knock it off his perch. But for both of us right now, it's yeah. Ratchet and Clank ripped apart. Metroid. Yep, Metroid Dread. There's a bunch of stuff still coming. Um. Here's one from Vincent. How you doing, Vincent? Uh, with how he did have a vacation. Hopefully, he's nice and refreshed, and he's back at it. Uh, with how much you like Monster Hunter Stories Two, was it worth how much focus Capcom gave it during E3? Oh, he brings up a good point, including that Capcom presentation. Also, are you going to cover the full game next week? I think we kind of tackled that already. Uh, a lot of it will depend on if Matt plays it or not, mm-hmm. which I think he's gonna. Um. Was it worth how much focus they gave it? I didn't feel like that was the game that drove me crazy at Capcom's E3 presentation. No. No. That was like Ace Attorney that dragged on forever. And then like this weird... And I'm going to buy Ace Attorney. And I was just like, dude. And then this weird Street Fighter esports thing that just (laughs) dragged on forever. In fact, the only game that I was kind of interested in was Monster Hunter Stories 2 Mm -hmm. of that presentation. Probably I was a little hard on it because I was so frustrated with the rest of the presentation. Um, but, yeah, it, it doesn't really change my impressions of Capcom's E3 show. That's for sure. It was god-awful. I don't think anybody would argue with that. Uh, looks like we hit the hype train again. Emotes hmm. being delivered to all our supporters. Another reason to show up for the live broadcast at twitch.tv slash games every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Jam Rain, you're awesome, man. Um Thank you, dude, for taking care of everybody. It's really great. Not only he took care of Pactor, now he's taking care of all you guys in the chat, giving you subs. It's awesome. Uh, let's see. Question from Okay, we already answered that one. That's a repeat question from ETH Demon. Um, EDH420, what are your top two or three Metroid-like games? Metroid games not made for Nintendo. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. I mean, Castlevania games. <laughs> yeah, Castlevania. So, although I will say that, you know, everybody, you know, Metroidvania, da, 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 uh, How about this? Uh, note this. Metroid games are not Metroidvanias. Because Metroidvania was coined to describe Symphony of the Night, which takes Metroid's ideas and turns it into an action Castlevania RPG kind game. of thing. Yeah. With the levels. And That's the, true. Uh, That's a good Metroid point. has never been a Metroidvania. It's just a Metroid. Yeah. Um, but I would say... Um, um, for me, uh, there's so many. Well, I mean, Blood Bloodstained was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Axiom Axiom Verge, Verge I liked a lot. Yep. 
Um, just uh, partly because it just looks like Super Metroid so much yep. in places. Uh, those are probably the two that really jumped to mind. There was Ninja Scroll recently, right? Was it called Ninja Scroll? Nah, it was... Um, Ninja something. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's like an 80, an 80, the set in the 80s. The Messenger. The Messenger, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, there's so many. I mean, it is probably... Yeah, it went from a, a genre that was basically didn't exist anymore <laughs> to like one of the biggest indie genres around, yeah. which I'm happy about. You know, we got one to this, you know, I got yeah. one today. It was yeah. Ender Lilies. Ender Lilies is good, too. Yeah, I wish there were more big budget yeah. Metroidvania. So there yeah, are always I mean, indie games. Bloodstained really like drove home. I was like, wow, this would be cool if this was a thing that, that the big companies put like real yeah, effort they behind. They just don't. And we'll see, you know, Metro I'm sure Metroid Dread will be uh you know yeah. up to par, but like um, Metroid Prime Four, I'm it sure. would be real cool to see another like, you know, you know you know, to you know, to Castlevania, like Symphony of the Night style Castlevania. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. From someone who can still make th- I don't know, maybe Mercury Steam. Yeah, pull double duty on that. But one the genre went from almost dead to one of the most popular mm-hmm. genres in the industry. Because I think the people who make indie games loved those games growing up yeah. and want to make their own. Like yeah. I think that's just how it go- like yeah, that's a that's definitely an enthusiast, you know, a core gamer subgenre. Like yeah. I think you know, not everybody plays Symphony. You know, people who played Mario and and Zelda didn't necessarily play Metroid. Didn't necessarily play Symphony of the Night. Um, but I think that's just something that made a huge impression on like people who who follow games the way we do. Yep. Um, certainly around that time, that late '90s period, and so like, I think you've got a lot of indie people, our age and younger, who are kind of trying to catch, you know, chasing that dragon, and have been, and like had nothing, so they made their own. I think the same thing pretty much happened with with uh, Wing Commander style space sims. Yeah. You know, no, that, those went away forever, and all of a sudden you had this surge of indie development. That's like, oh, we're gonna make our own. Yeah. And so that's back now. DIY baby, when it's best applied. Uh, Erebus Jones, what's up, man? Hope you're doing well. Uh, do you think the new Battlefield game is different slash interesting enough to be a success since it's charging $70 when all of its competitors are either free-to-play or fuller-featured products like Call of Duty? Is this game just going to ick along until it goes free-to-play? It'll have a strong open, I think. There's a Battlefield... There are some huge Battlefield fans out there. And yeah, a lot it's got of a pretty them. built-in audience, I would Yeah, say. I mean, they're going to sell three or four million, even if it's trash, just, like, immediately. Just because the the they've spent so much time building the base for that franchise that they're mm-hmm. all going to jump on immediately. I think you saw what happened with Battlefield 4 since they announced 2042. Like, its numbers have exploded. So... Yeah, I think people are ready to jump back in. I think it's going to do fine. Um, yeah, charging seventy bucks without a campaign—that's a tough ask. But and with no like zombies, because when Call of Duty did it, they had like a fuller featured zombies mode for that release that they were kind of using as a substitute for the campaign. Mm-hmm. Even though in most Call of Duty games, you get that and a campaign. Um, but there's really nothing to offset that with Battlefield. I do think there's going to be some people that'll be a little pissed off that'll buy it and then like a week later be like, "I spent seventy bucks on this. What mm-hmm. am I doing now?" Well, what you're going to be doing is what you knew you're going to be doing, which is playing massively multiplayer online battles for as long as you can stand it. So it is tough when you have something like Warzone that's just free. Mm-hmm. It's this huge battle. I mean, Battlefield has been really up and down in terms of quality, especially at launch. I mean, the other part of it is their campaigns have been terrible. So uh, is there a chance they could eventually make a good one? Sure. Um, But based upon prior experiences with it, it's hard for me to be too sad about losing it. 
just because of what we've played before and what they've made before. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Maybe they'll have something else up their sleeve in terms of the total package uh, at the the EA State of Play or whatever thing yeah. they're doing. Just like the twenty second. Uh, yeah, that's Sony. Uh, whatever, whatever EA calls their. Well, thing. Sony's now is coming up here like in a couple days. Yeah. And it's all like indie stuff. And yeah, it's third indie party. and third party stuff. So okay. Yeah, I was sure. a little disappointed to see that. Um, do I think it'll eventually go free to play? It apparently does not have a battle royale. That's what the initial words mm-hmm. have been. If it did have a battle royale and it was initially in the package that you had to pay for, absolutely, it would eventually go free to play. If there isn't one, I doubt it. Like I really yeah. don't think that they'll make it free to play for a while. If you're asking, I think maybe he's asking like. Do I ha- am I gonna have to buy this damn thing, or can I wait, <laughs> <laughs> or can I wait until like a month or two when it's gonna go free to play? Like I eventually everything goes free to play. It's twenty twenty one. That's the world that we're living in now. Or like it's nine dollars and it might as well be. free. It might as well be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think you even as see soon as that. it costs less than a sandwich. Yeah, like, that's when it's basically <laughs> free to play. <laughs> I think you might have to be patient. Is what I'm getting yeah. at before it goes free to play. And there's still, you know, those things, I mean, Battlefield 4 is still very heavily played, and nobody even liked that when it launched. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's true. Uh, Next up, from El Guapo3385, Sony State of Play showing this Thursday. Any predictions on which third-party games will be taking the spotlight? It seems like it's just all indie stuff, so I don't think... They did say some third parties. Yeah, I mean, that could mean anything, though. But... does it matter anymore? Because no, hardly any third-party games are exclusives anymore. Yeah, um, it'd just be like lead skew. Yeah, Call of Duty. Yeah, maybe they didn't show it at E3. Yeah, so there's a possibility they could show Call of Duty there. Um, and it is about that time. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's right after to E3. Break forth the rhythm and the rhyme. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's usually right after E3, or mm-hmm. sometimes they would contact me and i would go to some weird location at e3 away from the show right it was always like the mysterious activision side and you'd walk in and there's like 80 call of duty kiosks set up Mm -hmm. and then even though you were covering it at e3 a lot of times you still have to wait two or three weeks before you could Mm -hmm. actually share the coverage so like it was literally like an as long as you're here thing yeah very weird right it's and, like they didn't want to be associated with E3. Yeah, or they just didn't want the news to get lost, I yeah. think, in the E3 shuffle. They always wanted you to wait a couple of weeks to kind of share all the details. Um, so the timing is right. So you may be onto something there, Matt. We might get a first look at Call of Duty in that state of play. Um, Emperor, oh, sneaky, solid snake says, yeah, it was Spidey. Makes sense. Uh, Emperor Dread is Monster Hunter Stories 2 just Pokemon, but on steroids. Better story, deeper combat, tighter cast of monsters. That's an interesting perspective, but I, mean, I probably should have mentioned this a little more in depth when I was talking about it um, during the show. You aren't constantly getting new monsties. <laughs> You're not constantly getting new mounts. Like you, there are these areas out in the overworld. It's like a little hole in the side of like a cliff, and you go in there, and there, that's where the monster dens are. And a lot of times, you have to fight through a couple rank and file enemies till you get to the actual den. Um, and then once you get in there, like either the monster's there or he's not. If he's there, you either have to fight him or he's asleep and you have to sneak around him or he's not there at all. And then once you do, what you do is you go up to the nest and you start looking through the eggs and you have a little cat sidekick along with you. He sniffs the eggs. I know. 
and tells hmm. you whether they're good or not. So once you get a good one, you then carry it out of the lair. Well, sometimes you don't find the good one until it's the last egg, and at that time, the monster will come in to the lair because you've taken too long looking through the eggs, and you have to mm -hmm. fight the monster. Sometimes you go into the lair, and the monster is already there, and you just have to fight him to get the egg. Regardless, it's a big setup to get each one. It's not as simple as like, hey, I found this wild monster here, and now I can just capture him. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a rigorous process you go through to get the egg. Then once you get out, the egg goes into your inventory. And when you return to the village, you go to the, sta the stable and you can hatch whatever eggs you've collected. You can do it all at once if you want to. So it's not like this thing where you're constantly getting them. You also can't use them until you hatch them. So it's not like Pokemon where you're like, oh, I just got this Psyduck. And now I can immediately use this Psyduck and start leveling it up. That's not how it works. So... I understand where you're coming from and why you're kind of drawing the analogy between the two games, but I didn't feel a Pokemon vibe at all in this. The raising part of them is also pretty minimal. Like I said, they do level up, and they will eventually get new attacks. And actually, they may get new attacks more quickly than in Pokemon, now that I think about it. But it doesn't. it's not the crux of the game, um, because you can attack yourself, unlike Pokemon, um, where you're just like the, the person who's instructing all these little creatures to do your bidding. In this, you're actually getting your hands dirty. You're a part of the fight. You have weapons. Like I was talking earlier about how um, some enemies would get, like, big boulders that they could use to protect them. Like, some weapons work better at destroying those. So if you use the hammer, the hammer does a quicker job of destroying, like, body parts and armor parts that are protecting monsters. So I can understand where you might draw those conclusions and comparisons, but I never got that vibe while playing it at all. Mm. And that may disappoint some people. Maybe some people want it to be like that, but that's not really the way it is. Chat, um, chat says there's a big death loop section in this. Oh, that's thing. right. That's right. Yeah, they said they're going to be a bunch of death loop. And I hope that goes well because it's on my fantasy team. <laughs> it's looking pretty cool, honestly. I think death loop is. I have zero interest in that game. Really? I might want to watch someone play it. Yeah. But wow, I don't, I don't. It just looks like more multiplayer, like slippery, slidey crap. I don't. I won't it, have it any patience for it. It doesn't look very good. No. Visually, the. Yeah, they need a better engine for that like game. The, the concept is cool, but I just I nothing I've seen of it makes me want to play it at all. Yeah, I got I could understand that. Snark, thank you for Twitch Prime. You're awesome. Uh, Justin Horman, what's up, brother? Uh, despite being a great game, do you think Doom Eternal should get a price drop since an advertised mode has been canceled? He's asking if we talked about it. We did not talk about that. I didn't know about it. What mode was canceled? Uh, they killed the uh, the multiplayer mode, and they're going to do basically a single-player horde mode instead. Really? Yeah. That's not so bad. I feel like that's an that's a upgrade, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's too bad. No. But he's asking if it's nice that the they finally. I don't think they should. And I think they actually. I think it's nice that they finally acknowledge that nobody cares about Doom multiplayer yeah. at this point in time. Which is so weird. But it is what it is. It's more fun to play what, the way they've tweaked, like the single, the way the Have combat works. Like I think it's, I think that's a more interesting way to play it. It's really finely tuned. Because look, I you think. can play deathmatch stuff with just about any kind of shooter out there. Only Doom feels like Doom. Yeah, now. exactly. Like yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. There's so many good shooters out there now. Like mm -hmm. we don't need like every seminal franchise to be good at multiplayer anymore. Yeah. Because there's so many other replacements that do it just as well or better. And some games that are just multiplayer only that do it a lot better in some cases. Um, so, yeah. 
I don't think they should drop the price. Other other than the fact that they should drop the price, just because the game is kind of old, old yeah, now. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably time for it to be like forty yeah. bucks. Or something. I mean, they yeah. should drop the price for that reason. But maybe they, they have. I haven't looked at the price. They keep reviving time. it with like these right. new textures and like all in the next gen version and blah blah blah. A lot of publishers are getting away with that crap right now, where they normally would be reducing the price of mm-hmm. a game. Instead, they're re-releasing it with like a four K texture pack or right. improved frame rates or whatever to get more run out of it at retail. Um, let's see. We'll answer one more. Norix Nessie ninety four. What's up, brother? I don't hear a lot of people talking about Psychonauts two, but I'm curious to see if either one of you are anxious to play it. I haven't played the first, the first one, but this looks really interesting to me. If it looks interesting to me, how have you not pl- to you? How have you not yeah, played the play first? Go play the first one. Like, go do that now. While you're waiting, go play it. It still holds yeah. up. Also, it's a direct. You know, I've I've seen like the I saw the full demo of it in twenty nineteen. Yeah, the E three twenty nineteen. Yeah. It's it picks up where the first one left. Like like you're gonna want to play the first one before yeah. you play the second one for yeah. sure. It's great. It's still great. Um, I think the one thing I would argue about Psychonauts two is that it doesn't look all that different from the first Psychonauts. Now I haven't played the first Psychonauts in a long time. Yeah, and it, look, sure, it looks very very different. I'm I mean, sure my mind aesthetic, makes it look aesthetically better. it's the same. Yeah. Know, it's clearly a sequel in the same world and it's all the same character designs. So, no, it, it's the just the texture work is okay. w- l- light years yeah. apart. But to answer your question, we're both excited for it. Oh, yeah. Very much so. We've been banging the Psychonauts drum for like over a yeah. decade at this point. I, I can't ba- tell I you. backed it on Fig. Like yeah. I'm I'm invested. You go. may make a profit on it, actually. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I had been an evangelist for the first Psychonauts for literally five years after it launched. Like, the, the lack of sales for that game, in my opinion, is one of the bigger travesties in gaming yeah. for quite a while. It was a, that generation had a few of those where it was just like, oh, you just nobody cared about... Uh, PsyOps. There's Psy-ops, one. Yeah. There's another game that should have done way better yeah. than it did. It's just was the nature of the beast at the time. That's because there were so many damn games coming mm-hmm. out then. Like, PlayStation 2, dude, those games just, like, people just farted them out. Like, it was nothing. Like, just constant barrage of releases, and a lot of mm-hmm. stuff got lost in the shuffle, unfortunately. All right, we're going to have to call it there for the day. And I see there's a bunch of questions still in here. I'm sorry, guys, we didn't get to more. I see Not Circus, like, where the hell is COD? I think we explained that one for you organically. Um, we should hear something new from that. Oh, wow, lots of questions. I'm sorry, guys. There's so many... Uh, we'd have to be here for two hours to answer all these, and we're already over time. Gerzilla, thank you for Twitch Prime. I'm going to scroll down here and make sure I get all those at least. Yep, I think that's it. All right, so that's it for Game Face episode 262 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. If you're watching this show on YouTube or you're listening to it on pretty much any podcast service that's on out there, first thing you should do is give us a review. Reviews on podcast services are huge. That is how people discover new podcasts. Um, And I went and looked at our reviews on Apple. None of you have reviewed our podcast. None of you. It literally just takes a second to tap the star and just type best gaming podcast ever, if that's what you want and that's how you feel. Even if you don't like the show, feel free to express your opinion on there. All interactions with that stuff makes a difference. So when people are like getting into Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and they're like, I like games. When they search games, if our podcast doesn't have a lot of reviews, then it's not going to pop up in search, and they'll never know that we exist. So even if you can't afford to support us at patreon.com slash sifted, which you should do if you can, um, that is a way to help us with no money at all. And, of course, there's Twitch Prime. If you're watching on YouTube, the step-by-step instructions on how to do that are down below. You can give us a free $2.50 every month. You do have to re-up it every month. 
But you can do that every month, and it costs you nothing as long as you're an Amazon Prime member. So there's plenty of ways to help us. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit all the button thingies down there, all of them. Hit the subscribe. Hit <laughs> well, the... not the thumbs down. Yeah, <laughs> and that doesn't matter either, honestly. <laughs> Actually, thumbs down are the same as thumbs up yeah. in the algorithm, or so they say anyway. But hit all those thingies. Subscribe, hit the bell, all that crap. It all makes a difference for us, and it doesn't cost you anything. So there's plenty of ways to help us if you're interested and you really like the show. Uh, thanks to everybody who joined us live on the stream today. Uh, really sorry we didn't get to answer more questions, but we ran over a good bit today. That could probably be on me not getting through the show as fast as I should have. I thought I set aside enough time for Q&A, but I did not, unfortunately. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Dinfire. That's D-I-N-F-I-R-E. If you want to find Matt on Twitter, that's M-Kyle. That's M-K-E-I-L. If you want to find Sifted on Twitter, which you should if you're not a patron or a subscriber, because that's when you find out when all the stuff that we post early for our patrons goes up for free you can find uh the site on twitter at sifted games um i think with that that's pretty much it like i said pactor factor it's coming people pactor was on vacation and we had a little problem with our recording and our setup and stuff like that it should be coming before the end of the week so look for those new episodes soon um, and we'll see you next tuesday right here at twitch.tv slash sifted games at 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern until then game faces up and out.